spaceship sound. We have the technology. Welcome to the Stateside Podcast. Um, it's been a minute, and we're back to be. We're good to be back. Neil, how you doing? I, I am good to be back. Good to be back. Yes. Back to be good. Back to back to the future. Yeah, yeah, say. yeah. And I'm, I'm back from the future. Back from the future. the future. Drewski, how you doing? Doing good, man. Doing, doing good. good. Tonight we have a very special guest, Travis Ball from Nashville. No relation to Ernie Ball. No relation at all. Unfortunately, no relation. Yeah. <laughs> Say what's up, Travis. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Glad to have you on. Travis is part of the stateside roster, and he's joining us via Skype tonight. Uh, hopefully, the audio is turning out just fine. I think it will. And if it's not, deal with it, because <laughs> it's a free podcast. <laughs> Slow budget, man. We're real low budget on this real one. Real low budget. <laughs> Yeah, speaking speaking of free, I was telling you guys beforehand. So the Seven Eleven had bottles of wine for sale for a dollar. Oh my god! So that's what I'm doing. What kind was that? It is called Trojan Horse. Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my <Neil>. gosh! <laughs> that is rough. Trojan Horse. It's eleven percent, so you know whatever. A dollar. <laughs> that's at least something. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than nothing. I got coffee. <laughs> After I'm done with this coffee, I'll switch over to beer. What you drinking, Travis? Man, I've got some uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon Ooh, in glass yes. today. That's a Tennessee man. It's actually Kentucky bourbon. I was gonna it's not say. Tennessee. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> bourbon, I guess, is Kentucky. I yeah. knew that. I was a bartender. Whatever. It all tastes good. Same here. Yeah. Well, some of that doesn't taste good, but. Well, why don't you tell the, uh, the listeners who you are and where you're from? Give a, a quick little bio so people have some context on, on who we're talking to. Yeah, sure. Well. Um, I'm Travis. I currently live in Nashville, Tennessee. Came here by way of Michigan. Oh, that's right. Um, do predominantly a lot of mixing here in the studio. Um, got some education through a university called Belmont here in Nashville. And then, uh, did some assisting and interning with some folks after school. Um, Dustin Burnett being one of those guys. Uh, who actually, uh, last year, two years ago, released a really awesome side project called Zade Wolf, um, which is getting a lot of attention nice. for sync placement stuff. You might have heard a lot of his music on NFL ads or pre-roll, anything like that. And then also got some knowledge from Ryan Hewitt. That's right. Uh, which was super awesome the and legend. fun. And that kind of was the last thing to get me started in my career. And I've just been working ever since here in Nashville. Yeah, man. Um that Ryan Hewitt thing too. You were on um, Pensado's place. Yeah, that show, the YouTube show. I was. Yeah, that was wild, <laughs> dude. That is rad. We'll have to uh, put a link, Andrew. We'll we'll have a link to that YouTube show in the bio. It's also that, on that'd the be website, a, right? Yeah, that that yeah. might be a good thing to plug. It's on that your was website. kind of a cool. Might as well direct them to the website. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. right. It is yeah. on the website. At, uh, this is true. I think it is on the, on my page. You, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Statesidemgmt.com. You can find that video as well, with a, a video a interview with Ryan Hewitt and Travis. Yeah. Well, cool, man. So, um, but yeah, what, what are you working on these days? What What's the 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 latest and greatest? Well, I actually all of October I was out on the road um, mixing in front of house for uh, an artist by the name of Michael W. Smith. Hell yeah. Who uh, is a major CCM artist, been around for a while now. So we're doing a two-week Canada tour, which was a blast. And then um, 
got back not too long ago and now working on uh, some work for a band called Bunkface. Started that this week, and they are this uh, formerly kind of like a, a punk pop band from Malaysia, and now kind of turning pop. Yeah, and uh, yeah. just just sent the first mix out just before we jumped on here. So yeah, we were talking about it earlier today. That's really cool. They're really easy to work with too. Really nice guys. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm looking forward to the the songs to come, and I've, I always love working with international bands. Like it's just something exciting. I love to travel. So it's always like I look up on the Google Maps, like where are these guys from, and like, oh my gosh, it's halfway around the world. And it, <laughs> you stalk your clients, know. yeah. It's just something fun. You stalk your clients. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay. Yeah. I stalk them on Instagram, Facebook, Google Maps. Don't yeah. Tell I look up their socials. There, you know. Yeah. The uh, the Michael. I know w- the producer w- just went to China. What's that? Go ahead. The producer just uh, took a flight to China for something. I'm not sure what he's there for, but he's he's currently in China right now. Nice, Izzy. Izzy, yes, that's his name. Yeah. Izzy. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that Michael W. Smith gig that you did that tour. I mean, that's that's actually pretty cool. My my, I told you my parents were unbelievably stoked that you were a part of that because that that was a really big part of my childhood. You know, growing up that way and. Um, yeah, I mean that it's really cool to see that he's still out there doing it and you know, it was really fun to watch your Instagram stories and stay up to date. Uh, did you see any of that, Neil? What's that? The the tour that he just got off? He did he I was see on any of it? No, Yeah, he well he was posting a bunch of live stuff. Oh, on I, well, I followed him. So yeah. yeah, I probably saw it, yeah. Yeah. But uh that that was a really cool thing to to follow for sure. I bet it's good to be home though, yeah. isn't it? It is. Yeah, I don't like I like to tour occasionally. Um it's great to get out um of nashville and out of the studio for a minute i just don't like to tour for very long this tour was two weeks that's about my limit (laughs) after that i'm like ready to go home right kind of a thing but uh, it's a great thing for me because eventually like it it does happen where i just get kind of bogged down in the studio and and need some fresh air and go to a different country and do some shows tell me about it no kidding seems to do the (laughs) trick do the trick yeah well um so what how do you like working in nashville i mean what does that mean to you and you know, I mean, that's obviously such a musical hub. I mean, does so? I guess a two-part question: What is working in Nashville? How, how is that going for you? And what is what mm-hmm. is being like? What does location mean to you? Well, because obviously, that matter? you're from Michigan and you stayed there, right? Because you moved there for school and whatnot. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. So, yeah, right, so it's a good question, actually. Um, it, it's interesting because in in Michigan, where I was from, there was not a lot of access to the nitty-gritty knowledge that's needed to, to really do what I do now. And so when I was looking at colleges and, and furthering my education, I, I looked at a bunch of different schools, one of them actually being Ball State, ironically, um, and went there. And their, their actually audio engineering program is actually tied with their music program, so I had to audition for their music school. Uh, to even get accepted to take their audio engineering classes, which I got in, but I didn't ultimately end up going there because when I came to Nashville and visited Belmont, I immediately felt the the vibe and the pulse of the city just just being a music town. I mean, when I when I went and visited everything for the first time, like I was looking up studios on my computer as like, you know, a, I guess a 19-year-old kid or something, 18, I don't remember how old it was. Mm-hmm. But like, and then going around and, and just parking in the studio parking lots and just saying like, oh, cool, this is where this person recorded and this is where this artist did this thing. And so right away I was already just hooked and I hadn't even, you know, graduated high school yet at that point. 
Um, for me, coming down here to, to really go to Belmont to learn was awesome because there's so much of the music industry in this city. There's a lot of networking opportunities. There's a lot of opportunities for things like internships and apprenticeships and I mean, any number of things like it just all, it all kind of comes here at one at one time or another. Like even Nam Summer Nam is here now, um, which isn't still as good isn't isn't as good as the Winter Nam, but yeah, it still just brings people in the industry together. And I I like being around that. I like kind of right. being in the thick of things. Um, I think it's totally possible to do what I do outside of Nashville, and people do it all the time. But I I kind of like being in a centralized location um, around an unbelievable amount of talented individuals that are artists, other producers, other mix engineers, you know, managers, publishing companies. It's all here and you can all rub shoulders with them, you know, when you go out to drinks and things like that. So I just kind of like that aspect of it. And Nashville's just a great city. I'm from a pretty small town in Michigan. Um, it's the first big city that I've lived in, truly. And I've just enjoyed that aspect of it. There's a lot coming to Nashville, um, like traffic, which is a total bitch. But, um, <laughs> it, it's just a, it's a fun place to be, and it really, you know, breathes music twenty four seven. And it's fun. I mean, in reality, my studio is is out near the airport. It's about twenty minutes from downtown. So if I don't actually leave my house, exactly I don't really like see much place. of anything. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's still worth it, right? Yeah. yeah. So let me let me ask you something because I, I actually get asked a lot because I went to Full Sail, if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have get, actually I looked asked, at that for a little bit. Yeah, I get I get asked all the time: Should I go to school? From kids, you know, like should I go? What school? Blah blah blah. So it sounds like with Belmont, it was the location that made you pick, right? Or what was your, what was so. the ultimate it, choice in picking that college? That's a good question. I think it was a couple things. It wasn't just one, you know thing that made me want to go there location obviously being one thing um i i felt that the program itself was fairly in-depth from me not knowing really anything about engineering at that point like i i'd done a little stuff in the live sector um before i came to audio school but i really didn't know what that what i was doing um so just from what they told me and going through orientation like like this is a good place to go is they'll, they'll tell me what I need to know. There's big consoles here. Like they've got studios right on campus. Like this seems legit. I never visited full sale. So I didn't get that, uh, I guess, pitch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents also kind of pushed me to like, you should do more of like a four year type school with other students that do other things. And ultimately for me, I like that because I made tons of friends that were commercial voice majors and commercial guitar majors and music business majors. Um, Belmont has one of the best music business programs, I think, in the country still. Um, And so I wasn't just rubbing shoulders with other creatives doing things like video work or radio. I think Phyllis has got a culinary thing too, which is all great stuff. But Belmont really puts you in with other kids doing even other aspects of the music industry that could be valuable to you later in life. And so that was super cool to me to kind of discover that almost after the fact um, of becoming a student there and and learning who I was meeting and rubbing shoulders with and what they were going to do later in life. So yeah, there you go. Go to Belmont. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and again, I, I definitely I, I don't like pitching Belmont necessarily. Like it's a good school. I got a, a value out of it. I think everyone's education needs are different, and I, I always hesitate to like tell to tell someone like straight up. To, <laughs> did you drop the mic? So James broke his mic. <laughs> I always hesitate to tell someone like you should do X, Y, and Z for your education. Um, 
because everyone just needs different things and some people just don't have the money to go to school and that's fine there's plenty of other avenues out there to learn you know how to record a vocal mix a track you know it, there's no right way to go about doing it and I, I dropped out of Belmont like I did not even graduate I oh. didn't even finish oh nice yeah I mean that's knowing what I know now when I when people ask me should I go to full sale should I do this I'm like honestly with the age of YouTube and like interning with people because like I don't know how it is at Belmont but full sale they basically teach you how to the whole like business model I guess you could say is you could walk into any studio whether it's a multi-million dollar facility or a home studio and know how to run it in under 10 minutes but they don't actually sure. they don't actually teach you the art of it you know like how to edit drums how to you know like yeah they, they teach you the standard tips and tricks and this is a compressor this is it's it's like if you were a painter this is the paintbrush this is this kind of paintbrush this is when you would typically use this paintbrush stuff like that but so i when people ask me i'm I like would... look if you can afford it great like the, what the way full sale helped me was it helped me stand out um above the other interns that were applying because I could come sure. in and I knew Pro Tools when they needed to be taught Pro Tools, you know, stuff like that. But is it worth the investment? I don't know anymore. I mean, it's so fucking expensive. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, like, I've got college loans and I'll have these loans for a, a period of time. Um, and I, is it, do I regret it? Absolutely not. Like, it got me to Nashville where I am today. I learned a lot of stuff initially. I couldn't have gotten to where I eventually ended up without it, at least from what I'm able to analyze. Um, but yeah, I think even now, like, I guess seven years later um, was when I would have started school. So much has changed in the way things are out in the out online. You know, puremix.com is awesome. Um, even just the tons of free stuff out there on YouTube, like you mentioned, is, is a great valuable tool. And even like on my Instagram, I'm always posting little things that I'm doing, you know, even just following other people like myself or, yeah. you know, other mixers like Brower or CLA or anything like that or Neil and, you know. Well, Any I, of the states, James I guys, is telling like, me I don't do it enough. I literally just tapped Neil's shoulder and pointed to you going, yeah. like, you should do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, oh, you're a good oh, right. example for um, all the other guys on the roster. Well, the, pr- see, the, pr- the, the problem is, though, is what can, what can we legally get away with playing over the, the internet? That's right, and I, I generally don't yeah. play yes, yes, stuff. Yeah. To, to, it's, it's like, go ahead. Go ahead. I said answer that question because you you've figured that out. Yeah, so what I've what I've done in the now that I'm doing even more of it now is I, I will always email the artist saying like, Hey, I put out a lot of content. Yep. All the time. Like I don't even really think about it half the time. I just I'm putting out content on my Instagram endlessly. Do you have any issues with your song being shown to my followers before it's released? Right. Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. Respect right. their wishes, whatever. If they say no, there's it's easy ways to get around it. Like you can, you know, not put the sound on and saying like, "Hey, I'm using this multiband compressor to take care of a really gross 4K, right? You know, noise right. that I don't like in this guitar, or whatever." Um, so there's ways to get around it, but I like to ask. Um, it's just respectful, and even if they say no, there's there's plenty of ways to kind of get little tidbits out there. Even if it's just like a cool plugin. Like I'm found a plugin a month or two ago called a uh, Soothe by Oak Sound, and I just, I love it, and I can't stop telling people how awesome it is, and I just, like, yesterday, I, like, posted a picture, like, this plugin is still awesome, because it's a really small company, most people don't know what it is yet, and it's worth getting, because I think it's actually a really cool tool that people will find very valuable. Nice. 
Nice. Well, uh, if they're listening, maybe they could sponsor you. <laughs> that would be cool. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I know. Soothe your mixes. I give a lot of free that, promotion. That's something Travis and I talk about frequently, how to get sponsors. <laughs> well, I mean, if anybody knows, Soon. it's Travis. Yeah, well, he's yeah. got a, a good following. How many followers do you have now as a shameless little uh, brag? I am... I think 14,470, no, so I'm, I'm going to hit 14,500 probably tomorrow. And that's all just like hustling and, and making it work for you. I think that's really cool. I commend you for that. Thank you. It's it's so weird. Like, I tell my mom sometimes, like, Mom, I have like 14,000 people on my on Instagram. She's like, what does that mean? I'm like, right. never mind. <laughs> yeah, never never mind. It, just tell her if you're standing in it's a pretty room weird, though. with 14,000 people. It would yeah. blow her mind. <laughs> what I what I tell my parents is, you you know how like CNN and Fox is a channel. It's right. like, well, on Instagram, mm. I'm a channel, and that's how many people watch yes, my newscast. That's what it is. Yeah. It's the Gary that's a good that's a good way to put that. Yep, yep. I like it. So you got fourteen thousand people watching your news. Yes. Um, Generally, <laughs> uh, well, I think Neil had a couple questions for you. Didn't I have you? a ton. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let's uh-huh. rattle. I them love off. it, dude. Okay, so. My first, let's start from the beginning, if you don't mind. Um, Please. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, so how, how old were you when you decided that, hey, I want to do studio stuff? It's a great question. I think it was about the time that I was applying to Belmont, which was 2010, which makes me yeah. about, how old would I would have been? Under 20. It would have been like 19 years old, I think. Yeah. And before that, too, to give you some context, I was really hardcore into band. I was a trumpet player all through middle school and high school. Um, I was pursuing that very aggressively for a time. I was taking tons of private lessons. I was uh, performing in all-state bands and really like pretending, like wanting to go into music professionally as as an instrumentalist. Um, and then I discovered Pro Tools in my sophomore year of high school. And the world changed forever for me. How, how, did, um, how did you discover Pro Tools? So, was that part of your high school? No. And this is actually kind of ties in the trauma thing. I, I was actually attending uh, master classes at a university close to where I grew up. Um, and they would bring in pro trumpet players from all around the world to give us classes and lectures and whatever. And I think the second year I went to that, one of the guys, I forget who it was, said that you should record yourself practicing to then go back and listen and, and critique yourself a little better than trying to think while you're playing, which can be difficult to critique yourself while you're playing. I'm like, that's a good idea. So I went home, told my mom, like, I want something to record myself with. And I didn't even know what that meant. And I ended up getting Pro Tools for Christmas with an Mbox 2 and a AKG, AKG Perception yeah. 200 microphone. You got fucking smart parents. Either that and or uh, loaded that up that. on my parents' like Windows 2000 machine <laughs> and... Three months later, I recorded like a really crappy band in my parents' living room. Nice. <laughs> Did you make any money? And almost, I think I recorded myself playing trumpet like maybe three times ever. <laughs> so I kind of di- didn't really fall through on that. But uh, how how much uh, made how, some... how much did you charge that first band? I don't think I charged. Well, uh, I don't think I charged them anything. I think it was a free session, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. My my first band, I actually had to pay them two Red Bulls. <laughs> that was the yes. first band I ever recorded because like, like you, I was like, cause I was, I was in a band and I, you know, we were like, how the fuck do you record? You know? And so we started looking into it. Our drummer at the time was taking uh, classes at a local community college 
And then so I started looking into it, and I just fell in love with the knobs and the buttons and the lights and, you know, that whole thing of it. And then um, so I ended up convincing my parents to buy me a laptop, and then I saved up a bunch of money, just bought, I think, a, the Project Mix. Remember that thing? Oh, yeah. Yep, I ended up buying that and then a Blue Bottle. Or not the Blue Bottle, the, the Blue Bird. Yes. And then, yeah, and so then I had to, I called all my friends trying to – thanks, James. James putting his foot in front I'm of the showing call. my boots. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so then I had to, I called all my friends and eventually I had to convince two of my friends by letting me pay them two Red Bulls to come record with <laughs> the, the second record I ever did was a, was a local metal band and I think I had to convince them pretty hard to let me record them. Um, I didn't have any speakers yet. I didn't have speakers for the longest time, but I did most of it on headphones or nice. literal uh, desktop computer speakers. Definitely used a boom really high fi monitoring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when they, when I finally finished this record, which took me like eight months, which is a little long to make a record, <laughs> they were really mad at me. Um, yeah, they finally paid me in uh, bottle slip returns and <laughs> change and a bunch of bunch of like small bills. Right. And I think it probably was only like maybe like two hundred bucks for the whole record so so there's a lesson a in there so there's a lesson in there somewhere travis and for the young for the young aspiring producers and or mix engineers go get what you want go get what you want right <laughs> do it for cheap don't expect the world right yeah off or pay the band like i did <laughs> yeah <laughs> pay to play motherfuckers okay right. so oh, gosh, so this good. so i have a series of questions if you don't mind yeah rattle them off bro. yeah so so you found you found your passion. You wanted to do it. What ultimately made you decide to go to college? I think a lot, of, James. Sorry. For all of you that can't see this, we're Sorry. we're doing this via Skype right now, and I'm just getting a lot of distracting visuals from <laughs> some of the other folks. Yeah, the viewers the can't see what we're moment. doing to Travis, but we're I'm fucking supposed with to be the hard. manager in the room, and I'm just a child. <laughs> <laughs> all right, continue. I, I think I think the college route really came from my parents, kind of encouraging me to to do the college thing because my, my mom's in the school system my dad's a law enforcement officer so they both kind of have blue blue uh blue collar jobs my dad went to school for architecture originally you know four-year degrees kind of thing and they kind of wanted that for me too which your is fine like i get it and i didn't really know any what's that your dad's a cop is that what you said he, yep, that's oh, correct. Right on. I, I like to hear more about that someday. That's cool. Fuck. Damn it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a sucker um, for it. We gotta behave now. No, that's I, right. No, you, I, didn't I, you say I mean, that you do some? Yeah, continue. Did you do some stuff with the fire department or no? Yeah, I did that, that stuff else? for three years. Yeah. Okay, that's yep. what I thought. I remember we talked about that briefly. Anyway, so so they both you know do relatively normal type jobs with normal degrees and education, and they kind of wanted the premium. Again, I didn't really know any better or any different at this time, so I'm like, sure. I found a place that I want to go anyways that can teach me what I'm wanting to learn. It's a four year school. Let's do it. And as I went there, you know, I did about three years, I think, learned a lot of stuff, but eventually discovered that to do engineering, work on music, degrees don't mean anything. Um, and Boom. I uh, had done a lot of the audio classes already. Yep. What I had left was like math and bi biology and stuff that I really didn't care about and wasn't good at as, right. an, as a student. And so I, I actually dropped out of college and started working uh, for Dustin Burnett and his drum sample company, That Sound Drums. I was like the first employee, did tons of editing. Which is where um, you actually started to for learn. For That Sound. Right. And uh, that was kind of like <laughs> yeah. my first after-college job while I was still developing 
my client, still learning a lot. I got a lot to learn at this point yet, but I kind of had decided that going to school, paying thousands of dollars for credits was not the best place anymore, that I was better off kind of pursuing it on my own with a lot of knowledge to back up some further learning on my Gotcha. Gotcha. Said very well. That's what, when any, when anybody asks me, that's, I say it not as well as he did. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, because like for me, well, you. I, you know, like I went to school. It helped me stand out with other interns with Crummit and stuff. But yeah. when I actually started learning, is when Crummit would yell at me and kick my ass. Right. Put, yeah. <laughs> like, put you, exactly. Put you yeah. in the trenches. Yeah. Figure it out. Yep. I always and, t- and I'll I'll tell anyone like the most the majority of what I am doing now as a professional engineer comes from what I learned from Dustin and or what I learned. from Wow. Um, like right. those, those two individuals and, and working with both of them, yep. I think made me the the person that I am today in terms absolutely. of working on so, records and things absolutely. like that. So how, so you, you're, you're in school, you decide to kind of drop out. How did you get these gigs with these people? It's a great question. How did I start getting gigs? I think a lot of them initially were folks that I, I knew from Belmont. Um, friends that we know were singers that wanted to do like an EP or had a song that needed mixing. I I think originally it all just was folks that I just met around Belmont. And then I realized that we were all still super broke and I needed to branch out and find other clients that weren't broke college students and started to figure out how to get myself out there on a broader scale. And again, all this is still going like where I still was, you know, figuring out my workflow and how I was going to, make things happen so, and so sound you were you were recording in while in college right is what that sounds what's like. that sorry you were you were still recording while you were taking classes in college yeah a little bit oh. um and even like the classes that i was taking like they you know there's projects where we had to go in the studio and record bands um so like a lot of it was even school related projects um and yeah, I was trying to do a little work outside of that too, but it's honestly when you're a full-time college student with audio classes yep. that are asking you to record things for class, there isn't a ton of time to like do passion projects, but there, there was a few that were made, um, while I was still in school, especially, especially like the later years of school. Like when I started caring less about classes and started caring more about sitting in my little bedroom right. studio, cause I had a bedroom <laughs> studio at one point in time, um, which was horrible, but I was more interested in sitting in front of my laptop and my pair of little speakers and a, I think I had like a, I think I was still using my inbox for a while and, and trying to make things sound good. You know, that, that was more interesting to me than trying to go yeah, to class. That's, that's where it was for me. But I'm not too. recommending not going to class. Yeah. When, well, cause when I was in full sale, we had, cause we, we would have a four hour lecture every day and then a four hour lab, hands on lab where we had. Oh, yep. Stuff. Yep. I've heard of that. Yeah. And so what I would do. After our eight-hour day, most kids would go party or whatever. I was actually more interested in staying after in the labs if there was an extra seat, and I would just play with shit all day long. And that's yeah. and that's where I actually learned. Like I did the hours, I did the you know, like wrote the notes, did all that shit, went to the labs, applied, got good grades. Even to this day, I still don't know what I graduated with. Like I, I didn't, I just, I didn't <laughs> give a great. shit. Right, it didn't Be- matter. Yeah, because I was there to fucking learn. So like, I, I, I would literally spend hours upon hours after my scheduled day just playing with stuff because that was more interesting to me. I didn't have a recording setup down in in Florida, like you know, it sounds like you had, but I mean, so I would just play. I would just play all goddamn day. Yeah, and I enjoyed yeah, it. It never exactly. felt like work to me. Yeah. 
I remember like one of the first, there's several audio classes that Belmont offers. The first kind of major one is Audio 2, where they put you in front of like a Neve VR, and they used to have an SSL 4000 G+, which they have now sold, which really makes me sad. Damn it. But I remember stepping up to that Neve and just being confused and lost, because <laughs> there are so many buttons on that thing, and there's so many different ways to route signal. And I, I would spend every day before and after class going through signal flow, um, and, and trying to remember how to route things to different places and do parallel processing on a console like that. And even just to get the monitor sense to work, like, cause there's on the Neve especially, there's all these buttons that have to be engaged before signal starts going places and you can forget stuff super easy. So I would just spend, you know, as long as they, the prof would let me, um, in the studio hunched over this, this format desk, large format desk and go through all of that, all of that. The different stuff. Yeah. In other words, you uh, you paid your dues. <laughs> That's what you're trying to say. I guess so. I think you did. If I, I definitely think <laughs> you did. I mean, there's some Neve consoles where you have to turn on the pan knob, you know. Yeah, I actually think <laughs> I think there was. I can't remember if it was the Neve or the SSL. I think that's the case. I think it was the Neve that you had the, to turn the, the pan one on we had at full sale was the AMAC ninety ninety eight I. I remember it. There was there were there were ten. There were, well, sorry, there were eleven consoles ever made. Full sale had ten of them, <laughs> and half of them what? were and half of them were sitting in a in a warehouse for a tax write off. That's super weird. Yep. That's like the Focusrite console. That was only like 10 made, and they're yeah. actually really cool, and I think there's maybe four running. Dude, the, the AMAC had a whopping point, 525 like megabits and... of storage. Yeah, you can yeah. store it on a floppy. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> so we can get away from all the nerd talk. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay, oh, come so on. Yeah, I could do this all so night, yeah, guys. Back, Let's keep... <laughs> back on track. So, yeah, how, so how did you land the gigs? I don't think you actually answered that. I think we got sidetracked. Uh, which gig specifically? Well, the, your first, like, internships with, um... Well, the know. Ryan thing was totally. through school. Right. right? You wanted Ryan the... thing was... The thing with Ryan... I, actually, I'll start at the beginning. So the, the thing with Dustin, I... There was a student that I was at school with, um, her name's Kara Madden, who was getting produced by Dustin, and she just posted on Facebook that, hey, my producer's looking for an intern, and I'm like, that sounds cool. Like, <laughs> I messaged her like, hey, I am curious about your producer need an intern, and that's how I got hooked up with Dustin, because that happened to be him, and we talked on the phone, went and visited him in the studio, he was like, yeah, you're cool, come hang out, and let me show you some stuff, and help me out do my thing. So that's where that started, and that obviously ended up to working for his company and all that. And then the Ryan Hewitt thing, this was like a year and a half, two years later at least, I was actually working the Gear Expo at Vintage King here in Nashville, um, running front of house. Um, they do like panelists and no, little demonstrations. So I was actually Nashville. at the gig working, and uh, a company called, not company, a school called, uh, oh crap, The Recording Connection yep. was there. Yep. Um, and offering a full ride scholarship to what they uh, call the Learn from Legends program, That's what which I didn't is, even yeah. know what it was at the time. Yep. But it's this new thing they were launching at the time where you basically get to be an apprentice with a an A level mixer. Um, and I'm like, that sounds rad. Let me put my name down for that, and that led to writing a cover letter about why I thought that I would be good for that program which ended up uh, into a phone call with the president of the company, or I say company, the school, rather. And then he liked what I had to say, so I got to meet with Ryan at his studio at House of Blues, and we talked for probably an hour. 
And I was notified like maybe a few days later that I was going to be the one out of like 150 applicants to go apprentice with Ryan and, and do it for free, which was super rad. So crazy. And for people who don't know, Ryan Hewitt, what are some of the things he's worked on, Travis? He's a big guy. Oh, gosh. L- look, look well, that the, up, probably Andrew. the most recent major record that he's done, he's worked on a lot of stuff since then, but the last major record that got tons of attention was the uh, the Lumineers uh, record, the mm. one that's got Ophelia on it. What's that called? I don't remember. I'm, uh, I'm well familiar with the record, right but I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> anyway, so the, the most recent Lumineers record, but his Grammys with the Chili Peppers, he worked on Stadium Arcadium. He's worked on the Blink-182 records yeah, um, for engineering and mixing. He's uh, done Need to Breathe, Brandy Carlisle, the Avett Brothers. Um, just tons yeah, of awesome monster. He's a monster. Rock he's a beast. Clients. So, yeah, he's so, insane. So if I may, so what were the a lot of people get confused when they ask me too. So it wasn't the experience that got you the job per se. It wasn't the, the skill set. It w- sounded like you were just a cool dude. You talked for an hour on the phone. That's right. what kind of got yeah, you that I, job, right? No, it's a valid they, question. They were looking specifically for people that they could, that would benefit the most from it. And why so I still need something like I, I was going to walk into the studio and like, know like how to use all the gear. Like I could run a session in the studio, but there was a lot of things that Ryan could teach me. I'd never worked with someone like Ryan before in my life. So I was still very like under the radar, you know, so what got kind you of making job, things I sound guess. good, but needed some more, you know, ammunition, if you will. Yeah. So, so what got you the job then out of all those, you said hundreds of applicants, right? Yeah, that's right. I think it, I think it was a combination of just being compelling, you know, wording is everything it's like a job application at the end of the day you know you've got to impress people um but not you, be a dick about it kind can of you, thing. can you give me an example and or give people the you know i i think sorry you broke up there oh it's all good can you so what do you mean by that can you give an example about like coming like presenting yourself right right yeah i just think it's you know being oh, what's how do i want to describe this it's, it's so much harder to describe it when i'm actually not doing it I mean, instead of, my guess is you were genuine, you were yourself, you were kind, you yeah, were present, right? Exactly. I mean, Ryan talked about that in I that probably, Pensado's Place interview, how he immediately connected he does, with you yeah. because you actually tried to connect, and you weren't trying to be someone you weren't, right? That's right. Actually, I'm now remembering that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we did. that was part of the interview on Pensado's Place where he mentioned, like, what, what the, I guess the qualities that he saw in me from just meeting me, how he, he saw that transferring to being a successful engineer and why he kind of pulled me into the program. Like this guy, like I want to show him some stuff cause I, I can see some stuff in him. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what's cool about this industry too is, you know, we like to twist knobs and things make stuff sound good. And, and I love to do that. But a lot of it is being the best version of yourself. Yeah. You know, clients are very, are very particular about their art. And I, I really like to call it art because it is, Artists are very sensitive, right. and that's great, and that's okay. And as engineers, as the people working on making their art reality and sound awesome and, and work for the consumer, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, we have to be very careful about how we go about things. And you know, when we're producing a vocal, like we want to get the right take, but we also don't want to put the the singer in a corner where they feel uncomfortable when things aren't quite working out. You have to kind of navigate the situation. Like all that stuff kind of goes into that. Um, it's not just being a good engineer. Right. Know, if it was just being a good engineer, 
you know, a lot more people would do this, but there's School so much more to what this job point. entails. Yeah. Yeah, well, so What's that, Neil? well, I, I said at, at that point, school would be sufficient. But like you said, there's a lot of nuances and like, for lack of a better term, kind of like ego manipulating, not not, not manipulating, but taking like taking care of it, you know, mm-hmm. like because yeah. these are people with art and, you know, it's like you said. Yeah. Any, anyway. Yeah, it's not. I think too going on. like one step further is you can't really teach creativity like you can you can again teach someone how to use a compressor you can tell them how a compressor works you know the variety of compressors out there but telling someone how to use a compressor in context of a song that's something that's really hard to teach you have to kind of figure that out on your own like why would you choose an 1176 over an la2a right what do they do differently like how like all of these different things go into making actual music that sounds good. It's not like I'm just going to slap a compressor on this and call it a day. It's way more than that. And it's right. very convoluted and confusing and almost black magic kind of stuff. But yeah. that's, that's the stuff that like makes records. It's not just putting stuff on, setting a few knobs. It's, sure. it's much more in depth. And what people forget too, is if your vocal melody sucks, no compressor is going to fix it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, people often will come to me with like very poorly recorded tracks and I do a mix and like, why does it not sound like the other stuff on your website? I'm like, well, <laughs> it just doesn't, it's just not as good. And I, I there's yeah. nothing that I can do to, to make your song or recording sound better. It's just, that's not the reality of what we do as mix engineers, even, even like producers, if you just don't have a good song to work with, there's not much you can do to make it anything better unless the artist is willing to, mm. to reformat the song, the form, the melody, the progression, whatever it ends up being. Um, yeah, it, there's there's only so far average sounding songs or average songs can go. So, so, well, then with that said, Travis, obviously you're mixing for the most part these days almost almost exclusively. Now, why? I mean, I know you, we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, a couple minutes ago, but what, why mixing? Why not producing? Why not engineering? Um, are, you know, is that something you want to do more moving forward, or or do you think that's just your natural sort of skill set is is being a good mixer? It's a great question. When I this is some actually figured out why I was at Belmont. This is probably like the the one thing that Belmont helped me figure out as an individual um, because they they put you through the whole steps. They want you to to record and track bands a full live recording session they want you to produce they want you all these things and i did all of it and even after belmont like i was still trying to do a lot of things but what i realized is you said it like my natural gravitation and i think kind of talent was towards mixing and not at first like i was a terrible mixer um when i was in school like i couldn't figure anything out at all like they were just really bad but when i kind of applied myself and started thinking about like how my brain works and how I like to hear things and put things together, I kind of started thinking like, what if I kind of try more of this mixing thing mm-hmm. a lot more, uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, focused. And I just started researching mixing hardcore. And I took actually one of the, the advanced mixing classes at Belmont taught by Joe Baldridge, who's got a lot of credits, his name and things like that. I was probably one of the, the most helpful classes at Belmont was Joe's class nice. where we actually learned a little bit on mixing where I learned how to do parallel processing and all that good stuff. Um, I think it kind of comes from too, when I was actually in band, you know, if you've never been in a band, uh, like a, a, a concert band, not like a rock band, yeah. you have to learn to listen to the other sections from like 20 and 30 feet away absolutely and you have to use your ears very actively yeah i was and in so i was doing that for years yeah i did that too and, and 
Yeah, yeah. And you, you learn how to listen. And I say that like yep. everyone hears, you know, unless you have a horrible thing where you can't hear. <laughs> that'd be so horrible. But to, to learn how to use your ears, ears effectively and, and at a higher level than, than most people, that's when you start to be able to kind of discern different textures and even that's just balances of instruments and chords and things like that. And I kind of was almost, the way I like to describe it is like I was being trained to be a mixer long before I even knew about audio because of what I was doing with, you know, playing trumpet in these jazz bands and concert bands and marching band and all that stuff. Like I was just kind of learning how to mix at a very young age. Well, and then I got a pair of headphones. Well, like a, a, this, I still have them, a pair of Shure 840s. And I would just listen to music endlessly. And I just love to listen to music. And I would, started to play guitar, taught myself how to play guitar. And I would learn how to play a lot of the stuff by just listening to it. I could just pick out these background parts and would teach myself by ear. And that kind of also told me to isolate things in a mix, kind of focus in on it in my head, figure out what they were, and then put almost the mix back together again, even though I'm just listening to a, a final song mm, that's been mastered. Yeah. Like I could just hone in on certain things, hear what they were, and then yeah. pull back big picture. Yeah. It's very, very weird. But most people can't do it. So, well, then if yeah. you're, so if someone that becomes, you know, a mix engineer, and that's mostly what you do, you know, for people that don't know, you know, let's just assume someone's listening to this that isn't clued in on this industry, just the average folk listening. Now, sure. So basically, what that means is you have to, you're taking, you're taking music that's already been recorded somewhere else, produced by a different yep. person, and then sent to you so that you then mix that. Before before we were called mix engineers, we were called balance engineers. Right. If that helps. So so really? okay. Well, so mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that. Now, do you do you find that there's a sense of um, there's almost like a you have to let go of some of the power, right? Like you have to you have to know that I I don't have any control over how this was produced. Not really. This is going to be sent to right. me the way it is, and then I have to take something mm-hmm. that someone else did and I have to make it the best it can be. Is that something you? are attracted to or that you still continuously find hard like talk yeah, about that I actually bit. really love it. it it's so much fun to work on someone else's creation like I've put so many hours into this song we love the parts we got great players on it the song's awesome I love taking when a project is, is done being recorded like this, the song is finished I love taking it at that point and then making it sound the best it possibly can and some producers can do that like i know tons of friends of mine that are producers and great mix engineers that's awesome i was i can produce i just my musical skill lately because i've been focusing so much engineering i've kind of laxed on it like i'm not as good a guitar player used to be you know i haven't played in a band in a long time so i'm I'm just kind of rusty on that stuff which is kind of why i still focus on mostly mixing versus like trying to produce a band Mm -hmm. and being really good at it um so i i love that challenge of like taking someone else's passion project and getting passionate about that project and then making it more awesome they can possibly imagine that's super fun for me you know and and just even the puzzle of it too like getting like you know 60 80 100 tracks of sounds Mm. and trying to put them together in a way that sounds awesome i love that it's just a blast yeah (laughs) (laughs) i just made a joke and also painting the butt sometimes (laughs) <laughs> hey, I was just giving rough estimates, <laughs> dude. I've I worked with bands where there was there was one song that was over six hundred tracks. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's insane. Nine Inch Nails or something? No. I'll, Damn. I'll tell you I, that later. That's an interesting point, too, talking about track count. I was I watched a little bit of a thing CLA did with Waves, I don't know, last week. He did, like, a little live Q&A thing, and he was talking about how he preps his songs for mixing. And he said it great. He likes to keep things as concise and as organized as possible because when you're in the moment of, of hearing things for the first time and mixing, you don't want to want tons of tracks and like a million background vocals and 10 tracks of claps so in my mix prep i go through and i'll take like the background vocals and the percussion and things that kind of belong together naturally and kind of start submixing them so my track counts go down um a lot before i actually get to the mix like i think the one i just did for bunk face came in at like 80 something which isn't isn't too bad but when i was done with the mix prep it was down to 20 and I think actually the final mix, because there's a few vocals that I put on other vocal tracks so they made sense, I think I'm probably down to like maybe 55. I, I, so I just try to make things as easy as possible. Yeah, I, I, I started applying that. Something I learned kind of late, I did that maybe six or seven years into my career. Um, but so so that, that, that begs the question. So how do you – so you must be pretty confident. So when you're committing stuff, like say you have 10 tracks a clack, claps and you you commit them down to a stereo track or whatever so are you like eqing those and like limiting compressing all that into one with some reverbs printed or like how what is your consolidation process i think it really depends um you know if i hear something right away that needs to be fixed i'll definitely maybe eq it or compress it right there but a lot of times that stuff is is usually fine as is, and if the engineer did their job and the producer did their job, you don't need to do a lot to that stuff anyways, at least in my experience. Um, so I just, yeah, we'll just print it with no process and maybe do a quick balance, like make sure that nothing sticks out kind of funky and then just print it and be done with it. And then when I get into the mix, yes, I maybe apply some compression, some reverb and things. But a lot of times I just, I don't do much processing when I'm, I'm doing that prep work, unless, unless something really jumps out of me that needs to be done right then and there. Right. I kind of just go with the flow. Cut the fat, so to speak. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, Travis, all, all the stuff that you've done, I mean, you've you've worked on a ton of wide range of genres and a variety of different kind of bands and artists. What What's something that you kind of want to do? Or, you know, is there a type of music you want to do more than others or a type of artist you want to contact? Or are you just kind of open to whatever? You know, really, I'm I'm open to whatever... What's that? I think I burped. <laughs> oh, excuse you. <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, I really am open to whatever. I think I'm I'm gravitated more towards rock and pop. Yeah. Um, I got into pop music in college and worked with a pop artist for like a good year and a half and just discovered pop music. Like this is really cool. Like all the sounds and textures are awesome. Um, so I've been having a blast mixing pop songs yeah um which is a genre that i'm still relatively new at but i think i approach mixing pop a lot different than other maybe pop mixers which kind of sets me apart i think um from the from the genre um that being said i grew up listening to rock and i love big guitars and massive drums i think you'd be good and at it. i love mixing rock records i think you'd be really good at it too i know you've talked about it with me a few times you know you've listened to some rock yeah. records and you're like dude i could have nailed that you know? Exactly. And the, the last rock thing I mixed was uh, for the band May, um, which was their self-titled record, which came out, I think, like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now. And that was a lot of fun to work on. That was like my first real big project. Sounds great. And I, I did a lot of learning on that. That was actually, 
I mixed that while I was interning with Ryan. Um, so that project was going on while I was with Ryan, which was which was really cool to kind of actually bring some of those mixes to him yeah. at, at the appropriate times and kind of get some feedback, which was awesome. For sure. Um, but I, I haven't really mixed a rock project, like a true rock project in a while, and I'm yeah. kind of itching to do it. Yeah, well, My if ready. anyone's listening out there, you know, I think it'd be really good. He'll do it for free. He'll do it for free. <laughs> I can't. No. Nope. 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 Get nope. this guy out of here. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, no. No, it's just fun. Like I just, I mean, I'm a guitar player. I've got, I've got all my guitars still. Like there's just something awesome about just that. Yeah. You know, sound of of rock music. And two, I think in in the age, if we're getting really nerdy here, the age of music where Spotify has limits on how loud you can can limit things. Um. I think rock music has a great opportunity to to start really sounding awesome. I listen to a lot of rock stuff, you know, from the past, you know, several years, and it, it's fairly compressed and has very minimal dynamic range. And I think we're at a point where we can start making rock sound even better as a genre um, and just have more openness to it, have greater dynamic range, greater frequency response, and just bigger, um, just based on kind of Love how that. Spotify and YouTube and even iTunes music is, is a playing back songs on their platform and adjusting the volume depending on how loud you've mastered it versus how quiet you mastered it. It's, it's, I think it's really yeah. cool. Well, um, if that makes any no, sense No, it makes at all. a lot of sense. Uh, tell people about the studio you work out of. You, you're at home. This is your it own. It looks really fucking I am cool. At home. I yeah, want to know all about the, it. The pictures are Thank rad you. on Instagram. Yeah. looks way cooler than mine. So this, the, the whole story <laughs> is um, I was renting apartments for a long time basically since I moved down to Nashville and had studios in all of these apartments, which was cool and fine for a, a period of time. I did a lot of good work out of this, these apartment studios. But I, I got to the point where I was very tired of having to pack up my studio and move every two years. That really sucks. I couldn't grow a lot. I, I was kind of at a, a point where I couldn't make my studio any better. Like there was nothing else I could do um, because I, I knew I was going to have to leave and I couldn't do construction on the walls because I was going to have to pay the yeah. landlord something. I just was very tired of, of having a mobile studio, if you will. So uh, this past spring, um, I was house searching, found a house that the owner had built a studio in the basement <laughs> um, like eight years before. And I mean, really, I mean, it's a real studio, like the ceilings floated. There's a sound lock between my mix room and the tracking room next door. Whole nine yards. And so I purchased this house, took the room I'm in now, which is the mix room, down to the walls, hired one of the guys I, I do mastering with who has built studios in the past. He came in, designed the room you see today, built it. Looks great. And here I am. And it's, yeah, it's been great. I love having a dedicated great. spot to work out of yeah. that yeah. is not in some random part of the house where people can just walk by and like make their dinner while I'm literally trying to EQ a snare drum or something. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard to EQ snares with people like sautéing mushrooms. Yeah. If I'm honest. Um, sure. So yeah, it's just, I just love having like a place now. Like this is my place. It's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I can just work in here till I want to. Um, it's not going to bother anybody. You know, it's just, it's awesome to have a, an actual studio that I can just stay in and work out of. And it's in your house. And yeah, the design, it's like, it's simple. You know, there's a lot of rock wool insulation everywhere. It's a super tight response. Um, big bass traps in the back, which are conveniently hidden, um, nice. the way we designed the room. And, uh, yeah, people, like, always ask me, too, like, man, that's a lot of insulation. And, yeah, it is. But, really, 
the way the way the, the size of my room and the way that we designed it, we didn't want a ton of reflections to where things would kind of get skewed. Like it's really a fine tuned mixture. I mean, people that actually come here and listen to it, are like, holy crap, you were right. This sounds amazing. <laughs> wow, this is exactly what right. it needs to be. Right. Um. So yeah, and it's like hard to like tell someone that doesn't know what this sounds like until they actually can come and listen. Right. And then, then, then they understand. And too, like the speakers too. If you've seen in my photos on Instagram, we're actually get tons of flack for this. I'm I'm mixing on a pair of B and W speakers, which are more known for their place in hi-fi audio for just kind of the house kind of a thing. Like rich people buy them to put in front of their TVs, which is cool, I guess. But they're actually great sounding speakers. And the guy that again does my mastering and built the room recommended them to me because he masters on a pair. Not of mine exactly, but a different pair. And it's like, man, these are great speakers. They're not that expensive, honestly. And I think you would like them and they would fit the room size. They'd fill the room up to what you need. And I went and heard them at another studio that he built and was blown away. Like these sound massive and are hyper detailed. And so I got a pair and I've been working on them since I finished the studio and they're just fantastic. What's the, uh, what's, the imaging super tight? What's, what's that? What's the name again? They're uh, B&W 683s. Um, B&W stands for Bowers and Wilkins. And it's a British company. Cool. And then the amplifiers, if anyone cares, are Emotiva. You, crap. Emotiva UPAs? I don't remember what the amps are. Emotiva something. No, and I love the aesthetic, too. Those lights look really cool. Like all that that wood (laughs) table on the side. It looks really nice. Yeah, thank you. I'm actually... I've got work to do in this room. Like, I want to expand my little hospitality table to uh, something a little bigger because it's the one that was my, from my old studio, which is a lot smaller. So I want to get a bigger one to hold more stuff. I want to get a few more things to kind of finish the room out. Um, I want to get a flat screen to put up on my iMac at some point, some end tables for my couch and chair. The room is, like, workable. Yeah. Like, it's I'm obviously doing work, but there's things that I want to do to it in the next year or so to kind of finish the vibe and cool that's that's exactly where i'm at i've I've been in because i'm in the basement of my house as well I've, sure I've been yeah. here for like two years i've got some like panels on the back and like i've, I've even got a fireplace in here believe it or not oh that's awesome yeah. Yeah. but no so uh, bar in the back but yeah i've got like it's in it's a fucking endless goddamn project mm-hmm. like I, I know the struggle <laughs> exactly yeah um, uh, for the first like two months, I didn't have doorknobs in anything, <laughs> any of the doors in the studio because they they didn't look good. So I took the doorknobs out. They're like gross color brass, like shiny brass. And so I finally like one day just bought. I think I had to buy one, two, three, four doorknobs, like three hundred and fifty bucks for doorknobs for four doors. <laughs> it's not a joke, people. Doorknobs alone. Um. Well, so people can kind of know you as a person as well. Like what other than you as a mix engineer and a, a music feller. What what are some of the things you're into? Like what what are your hobbies? That's great. What do you what do you do? Hobbies, man. Long walks on the beach. What are my hobbies? It feels like I, I don't have any hobbies. I, these whenever days. people ask me, I'm like, I work. <laughs> I mean, music yeah. is my hobby. Music is the hobby. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I'm able. I love getting outdoors. When I was in okay. Canada on this tour, we had an off day in Banff, um, which is right near oh, the the upper gorgeous. northern Rocky Mountains yeah, in Canada, beautiful. and just walking around and hiking these areas that are just absolutely beautiful and remote. I just get a lot of fulfillment out of that. It just gets my adrenaline and, and blood flowing. Awesome. And even like my studio, if you look at, it's kind of hard to see because the, the actual colored walls are not the front, but my studio is green and earthy brown. I love earthy colors right. and like nature type things. So I kind of designed the studio around those color palettes. I just love the outdoors. I like to do archery stuff. I have a compound bow that I like to shoot oh, do you? occasionally when I have time. Oh, yeah. Bow? I love doing oh, cool. that. I'm super into 
that kind of stuff. Yeah, me, me too. I, I'm, I'm um, I don't have a bow, but I, I like to shoot guns and crap like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do. I love to do that when I have time, yeah. and I, it's it's always been fun for me to, to kind of you know do outdoorsy type Absolutely. things. I love watching movies. I love good food, good wine. Me and my girlfriend will go get you know a nice meal and kind of have an evening occasionally when what, what, both of us are not exhausted. Uh, what movie from work. have you seen lately that you would recommend? I, I've go. seen them all. Oh, I watched all, all goddamn James and movies. Travis on movies. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge dude. I, movie I love guy. watching movies. I think recently. What I just watch? I watch so many, it's hard to keep up. Have you seen? Well, it? I tell you what, I just watched the new Jack Reacher movie. Oh, is that any good? Not good. Oh, really? It's it not looks good. Terrible. I thought it was not good at all. It looks terrible. The first one's super cool. I loved the first one, and I was hoping the second one would kind of follow up, but it, I didn't think it was good. What about um? So what, maybe what's the other uh, John Wick? Do you like John Wick? I Bad just watched dude. the first John Wick. You got to go see the that's, second. That's one what it is. Yeah, John Wick, the first one. It's so I liked it. I'm curious to see if the second one is also as good as the first one. Yeah, the second, I, mean, I love Keanu Reeves. He's just a badass. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's uh, YouTube videos of him training for that for that movie, and just unreal. <laughs> I've watched I'm him. It's nerd. intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is intense. Uh, so have you seen it? The clown movie? Uh no, I don't think I've seen Dude, it. Rad. Oh, that's the new horror one, yeah. right? But it's not really scary. Like I, I'm, I'm a huge horror movie guy, but it's really not scary. Okay. It's like, uh, like very Stand by Me, fucking, uh, you know, like Spielbergy. Like it's hard to explain. Okay. It's like a coming of age kid movie almost. It's really good. Interesting. Yeah. I would definitely watch definitely that. Go check that out. I've I've been on when we were on tour. We were watching a lot of like Steven Spielberg movies, yeah. and I we watched a movie. Oh crap! I'm gonna forget the name. One of his movies I haven't seen was like I need to just watch tons of Steven Spielberg movies, um, because he's just one of the best movie makers I think of our time. Oh, agreed. Um, there's I, also there's one with a Tom documentary Hanks called The Bridge. There's a documentary on HBO. I said there's a documentary on HBO about Spielberg right now. It's really good. I think that's what we actually we were actually watching oh, the documentary okay. in the bus, and it was like we need to watch tons of Spielberg movies because like this guy is awesome. Dude, we kind of had a moment, like a come to Jesus moment. Like this guy really needs, or we need to watch more of his stuff. They were they were showing stuff, everything I've ever seen is just amazing. They were showing stuff of Spielberg when he was a kid, like a little kid, and he was making these home movies with his buddies. And like for instance, he was so creative. They'd have like these fake war scenes where him and his friends were running through like the the desert of california or wherever they were and to to simulate gun rounds like uh bullet rounds being hit by their feet uh-huh. they'd step on these little like seesaw boards to kick up dirt behind them it's just like he was he's been that creative his whole life and it's i love it's it it's unreal dude the amount of I, the volume like if of i was not done. doing audio i would try to be in the movie industry i think movie the making of movies are so fascinating agreed. i would love to watch a movie being made agreed i actually and even from a like script, a mixed standpoint i took a screenplay writing uh class for a while and i i was really into that but yeah that's that's like a alternate life for me <laughs> doing movies totally i well I, I've always been like a huge fan of the opera fan and going up in high school, like before I was doing audio specifically, I was actually a lighting designer, which is why I, I like oh, really? good lighting and why my studios yeah, look yeah, pretty yeah. well. So I, I did lighting for ages and got into theater and, you know, watched things like Fan of the Opera and Rent and Chicago and all of these shows. So we just watched, me and my girlfriend just watched Fan of the Opera down in the studio and I'm like, holy crap, this movie sounds amazing. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, how do they, how do they mix these movies? Yeah. Like, it's honestly some of the best engineering, I think, in the world, honestly. If you want to talk about track count, that, they have track counts. Oh, I can only <laughs> believe it. 
unbelievable track counts. Yeah. So uh, like I don't even know how you approach to mix a movie. Like I just it's way over my head. <laughs> so what one of the guys that's on the stateside roster that that I represent, Ryan Lewis. Have you have you talked to Ryan Travis? Yeah. Super uh, rad. So guy. so he's actually, I actually have not talked to him yet. We we definitely got to introduce you to him. You, you'd get along with him. He's like my well. favorite person in the world. Yeah, he's the nicest guy. Ever. Yeah. Uh, no kidding. That's great. Yeah. Fuck you, Ryan. If you're listening. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, but he he's actually moving into a studio in West Hollywood with with a guy, and anyway, they're gonna have a um, what's it called? ADR. They're gonna have an ADR. Yeah, room. ADR. Yep. yep. Yeah, so they're gonna be doing some of that like overdub stuff for for movies because they're down in Los Angeles. But anyway, I, th- I thought you'd find that interesting. It's going to be pretty cool. That is super interesting. Yep. That's like one thing, too. If you want to make movies, I think the only place to do that really is is in Hollywood. No, like, there's no other place in the world that agreed t- that does that. Dude, and when you're down there... You, Which kind of sucks, like but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's a Portland movie scene. I'm sure there's a Nashville scene. But if you're going to really do it, you got to go down to L.A. for sure. No question. Fun fact, I've been an extra on Nashville many times, the TV show, which is no filmed right here in town. Oh, I've never seen that show. That's like a country. Who's who's the blonde girl that's in that? Uh, Hayden, Hayden Panettiere. Oh, that's not who. Okay, I was thinking of someone else. I thought she was from Friday Night Lights. That's, a, that's something uh, else? Oh, that's uh, Connie Britton. That's Connie, she is in that? Connie Britton? Well, she just got killed off last season, oh, okay. so she's no longer on. So. <laughs> well, I was a huge Friday Night Lights fan. I was actually, one of the last scenes I did was actually, like, just after her death. Ah. And, like, the label was arguing about, like, what's going to happen to all of her licensing and ah. crap. And I was, like, part of, like, the business team. <laughs> I, I think it's so much fun. And actually, funny oh, cool. story, again, this is getting really out there. But I'm a big, um, oh, what's that TV show? West Wing. I'm a big oh West Wing god. fan. Oh my god, you just hit my my nerve. My roommate is so Travis. into West Wing. Oh, so. you have no idea. That's 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 my jam, dude. I've seen that show far that and Band of Brothers are like the the two shows I've seen. Dude, I need to watch Band of Brothers. It's so good. Yeah, this West is gonna blow your mind is, then. So the, the guy that plays Danny Kincannon, yep, um, gotcha. the journalist, mm-hmm. remember him? He was directing this episode of Nashville no that way. was last in. The redhead guy. Yeah, he was in. Um, yeah, he was in Stand by Me. If you remember him. Stand by me. Stand by I don't. Me. I haven't seen that. I actually haven't seen any other movies that he's in Obscure or TV reference. shows besides The West Wing. Yeah. Okay. But I'm I'm on set and just like, why does he look and sound so familiar? And then it hit me like, oh my god, he's in The West Wing. This is amazing. Um, nice. Neil's got one question for you, and then we're gonna take our ceremonial pee break yes. that we do in the middle so, of the show. So I'm curious. I love it. What What is it like a day in the life of a mix engineer in Nashville? So what? So from when well, you, I can when tell you, you wake what, up, you get your coffee, you masturbate, you shower, whatever. You know <laughs> what is <laughs> what is your typical Monday through Friday day? That's great. Yeah. So yeah, this is how it goes. Um, I wake up. My girlfriend gets up before me because she has to go to work a little earlier than I do. So we wake up, we hang out for a few minutes. I usually stay in bed and scroll through Instagram for like a good thirty minutes. Usually, get up. I try to be in the studio by ten a.m. A lot of times that's 11 because I'm lazy. Sure. No, I'm just not a morning person. I'm just not a morning person. I just, mornings for me and just are just hard. So I like to get in. I, I check my email immediately. That's like the first thing I do. And even sometimes I'll do emails upstairs like on my laptop or something because um, it's convenient. And usually if it's a normal day, which again, days vary a lot. Right. A lot of times the first thing I do is mix revisions. If, I, if I'm working on multiple projects, I oh, will get in, get some mix revisions done and back out again as quickly as I can. 
Um, if I don't have any revisions to do, I may do a mixed prep. If songs are waiting to be prepped to be mixed, I'll do that in the morning. And then that usually takes, you know, maybe two to three hours, depending on how much I have in terms of that per, other kind of non really hardcore mixing stuff. Per, per song? And then. Takes two to three hours what's per that? song? Or per project? Say that again? You said it takes two to three hours. Is that per song or is that For, per project? That's kind of just my morning routine. Is like all that stuff that I described usually takes me two to three hours. Like to do all my emails, do my social media oh, stuff for the day, do any mix revisions or mix prep that I may have. Like all of that kind of administrative work, if you will, okay. kind of takes up my, we'll call it the morning. Um, I Depending on how long it does or doesn't take me, I may start a mix earlier. But a lot of times it takes me to lunch. I'll eat lunch, you know, clean something in my house because I live in my house or live the shoes in the house. I'll do like house chore and then I'll come back and like mix, mix a song. And then I'll just be mixing until I'm done. Until I, call I, I generally will try to get a song done in a day. Um, the last song I mixed was a little slower than that because I was just taking my sweet time. <laughs> but if, if I'm more busy, I will definitely make a commitment to like mix a song every day kind of a thing. And make sure I, I uh, balance my time enough to make that happen. Gotcha. And that's pretty much it. Like, it's not super fancy. Um, it's a pretty cut and dry schedule. And there's things that can change. Like, you know, if I have a vocal session come in, which does happen, you know, I, I will have to set up for that and make sure that things are ready and temperature set right and microphones are plugged in, headphones, mixes is yeah, checked. Is set right. You know, that's it's a little a bit different point. thing that I do. But, you know, I definitely account for that. Yeah. Um. Well. So yeah, there you go. That's kind of again. That's a very standard day. Yeah. There can be a lot of variations. <laughs> and then my, my my last point on that. So what mix prep? What does that usually entail? It's great. I do. I mean, my mix prep is pretty hefty. Um, my I, I ask my clients to send me raw files. I don't like getting delivered Pro Tools sessions because the way my mm. preferences are in Pro Tools. Like if I open up their Pro Tools session, all of my preferences just go away. Oh, I see. Yep. And I have to open up another of my session to get them back. And it's just a pain to reset like all my that, preferences yeah. in their session because they're just different. Yeah. So I ask for raw files. I'll import those. I'll rename all the tracks to be more concise or understand what they are because sometimes you get a track name and it's like, right. what the heck does that even mean? Yep. <laughs> so I'll do all that, yep. organize it all to where I want it to be, color code it. Um, I do a little light editing. Like if there's like noise in the vocal or like there's buzz in the guitar tracks, I'll take care of that. I'll do that you know, printing and stem making if I feel like I need to. Um, that's about it. And then I then I do import my mix template, which is just kind of like all of my, you know, parallel, parallel stuff that I want, all of the effects I could ever possibly need. Um, you know, starting vocal chains, you know, kind of the general idea of what I usually like to use is kind of already preloaded. Get all that in. So, I mean, it, it's just kind of getting the song ready to just jump in and like many, ready to make sound. So you have a mix template. Um, I just try to get it. See, see, for for me, that's like, I've never been able to make one just because I feel like every mix is so different. But when you're sure. like, but w- when you're a full time mix engineer, I'm sure you have stuff that's like, this is my starting point. This is where I can base yeah. it off of. And with that, I mean, my mix te- template's insane. Like, <laughs> if I could send it to you, like, it would just be like, what am I looking at? Totally I have everything you'd ever possibly imagine, imagine accounted for in that template, and I may not use even half of it right, if right, I feel right. like I don't need to. Like, it's kind of like there, so I can, like, look at the song, like, okay, I've got these types of tracks, it's this kind of a song, I'm going to pull this, 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 and this for my my template, 
and now we're good to go. Do you, do so you I'm just trying to make it as easy as possible to get to get working. Right. Do you have one mix template or do you have like several? It's a good question. I've thought about making more than one, but I just have one that I like to work from. Um, but again, there's so much there that I kind of know what I need out of that massive one for a different type of song gotcha. versus, you know, a rock versus pop song. Like if it's a, if it's a pop song, I know I'm not going to need a lot of the parallel stuff or the distortions that I use for rocks, which is, I mean, again, it just depends. It kind of is more like getting a sense for what the rough mix is of the band and then kind of guessing of like, I think right. I'm going to need this and this and this. And sometimes I have to import more stuff later. I'm like, Oh, didn't end up using this. Just make it an active. So, so you, you have one big template and you kind of wean it down depending is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's correct. Cool. I'm like, there's stuff on there that I've, I've honestly never used cause it just hasn't come in <laughs> that I've needed certain things but that one I've day prepared for, but handy. have never needed. <laughs> nice. What's that? But one, I didn't hear what he said, but one day it could come in handy. So it's still in exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. All right. Well, uh, let's let's go uh, pee out of our pee pee holes and uh, do whatever you got to do, and Sounds we'll come fun. back. So Andrew, we'll hit pause here, and uh, we'll come right back in five, four, three, two. Touch sticks. Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Everyone peed successfully, I take it. I, I was surprised at how big Travis's dick was. Me too. I, really was. I know. I was in the bathroom and all of a sudden Skype just went <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> he was on my phone. I'm like, Travis. I mean, it, it's, it's a closely guarded secret, but I guess now it's out. <laughs> I mean, we, Travis had to pan the camera for like five or five six seconds. seconds yeah. yeah. Like, geez. Just to get the whole thing in. That's got an iguana crazy. in his pants. Um, now that we got it that actually, it, it, now that I'm horny, let's go on to current events, huh? Yeah. So Travis, here's the point in the show where we fall off the rails a little bit. Uh, Can't wait. We just start talking about things that are going on in the world, and Andrew Carrion typically steers this ship. So listen up as you can, and you won't see the screen behind you on over here, but we can. So we'll try to fill you in as much as we can, along with the audio-based audience. <laughs> yeah, well, he's like the he's yeah, like the yeah, you're Bring like the on. audience. Yeah, exactly. What you got, Drew? All right, so a self-driving shuttle bus in Las Vegas was involved in a crash on its first day of service. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Wow! It was carrying Why several passengers. The vehicle carrying quote several passengers collided with a lorry driving at slow speed. Nobody was injured in the incident, which city officials say was the fault of the human driver of the of the lorry. Well, there you go. The man was oh, so it was not the fault of the uh, yeah. of the automated thing. The shuttle was the first of its okay. kind to be used on public roads in the U.S. Oh, what a and this was in L.A. Uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Was it a Tesla machine? Is what I want to <laughs> know. <laughs> Dude, have you ever seen any of those Teslas, like self-driving cars? I haven't. Apparently, there I was have. one in L.A. I, I didn't see it, but. The person was, they pointed it out and I didn't see it. But, there there yeah. was one on I 84 recently. Jesus, that's yep. scary. Yep. It's kind of cool, though. Well, no, it was so it's not, cool. Not my one of the bands I, I worked with, Not My Weekend. They they were driving to the studio for drum day at Stephens. And 
they like I, I got there before them, but they were driving. They said they saw a Tesla car, and the dude was literally reading a book as he was driving down I eighty four. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that, Travis? Man, I don't trust that. That just makes me nervous on every level. Yeah. I like inputting information into in the things that I'm either riding in. Like, even, like, when I'm flying, like, I always want to be, like, the guy in the cockpit, like, seeing what's actually yeah, going on. Me too. I'm not a very good passenger, I guess right, is what I'm trying either. to say. That's why I don't like flying, because I'm a passenger. Yeah. I'm I mean, not- I love flying. Don't get me wrong. I love aviation and being in the air, but I would much rather be up where all the, the magic happens. Right. Because I'm just, honestly, I'm just curious at the end of the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's crazy, man. Yeah, you know, we'll see, like, as, as this starts developing more, how, how, how many people get injured or, like, if it actually is successful. <sighs> well, we had our first crash, so how many, how many, how many people were injured? They said Andrew? nobody. Nobody? It said yeah. nobody, yeah. It said yeah. no one. Yeah. So, I uh, just don't know how it works yet. Like, how... I don't know enough about the technology to, to, to understand like how it actually works with traffic right. and it can actually be successful at driving its own. Like that's what I don't understand how it actually is happening. Yeah, and, and it makes more sense. Like if it can be successful long term on the grid, that makes more sense to me. But I, I'm thinking like going through a city or suburban streets. You know, the little kid jumps out of nowhere. How does a computer know that? Well, supposedly that's what exactly. Tesla has a patent on. Really? Yeah. And it'll actually stop well, if one like, of my... a dog jumps out in the middle of nowhere or right, something. Right. Wow. That's fucked. One of my favorite movies is Interstellar, and there's a great line from that movie. Great movie. Where, uh, oh crap, what's his name? Matthew McConaughey? The guy that plays Jason Bourne. No, the, the other guy from that, the Ice Planet. What's the guy that, um, I always forget names. Yeah, I know who you're talking anyway, about. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says like, you know why they send humans to do this job and not robots? Because robots can't improvise. You know, that's, right. I think it's true. Like, that's you never know what can jump that. out. And, like, yes, you can write code for that. But I think there's still, like, a, a level of human input long-term that I, I think is needed for stuff like that to be truly for safe. Now. And, again, cars for are now. dangerous. Millions, not millions, hundreds of thousands of people die every year in vehicles. Yeah, but what happens when a world is run, like, all the cars are run by a computer? Will that go down? I don't or know. Will that go up? I don't know. That's a great question. I'd yeah. be curious to find out. Right. Well, whoever owns this fucking van, no. <laughs> go up. <laughs> well, they already have like self-driving. Yeah, I think that's trucks. the thing. It was like, is if every car was on it, or if there was a separate roadway system for automated vehicles. I think that's the way to do it. That's right. so expensive. Versus though. like There's trying to no mix. No way that any city could do that. Right. There's right. no. I way. know. It's it's not hypothetical at all. No. Oh, that's uh. We shall see. Well, I, I, I will say, and don't quote me on this, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the Tesla tests, zero crashes so far. No kidding. I think that's correct. I'm not sure, but... Holy shit. Yeah, so, yeah. Whoever owns this shuttle bus, get your shit together. You got a video here, Drew? <laughs> it's like... No. No. Okay, never mind. Riding the bike without your handlebars, like that just makes me nervous. Like, I want to control what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Plus, I would fall asleep if I was in that vehicle, like trying to, you know, yeah, if I was the only one in the car. That's the thing. I just fall asleep in cars. I like driving. If I'm not driving, I actually enjoy driving most of the time. Well, that, true. In, yeah, yeah. In the in the in the envisioned future, I guess you could say, like that's like the luxury. Do you enjoy? Right. It's like owning a horse. You know, you to know? be fair though, it's like <laughs> yeah, I like driving, but I also love being able to like check an email. Like I was talking to Travis earlier today. And I'm like do, taking notes on my phone 
while driving. He's like, you're driving right now? Jesus. <laughs> so, I mean, that would be really nice if I could just kick back and get some work done or watch Netflix. Like, well, it's a, you, exactly. you could do that now with Uber or a taxi or something like right. that. But yeah. but you could own the car you know to the car. where you can just be doing business while oh, you're transporting. Sounds amazing. Yeah. You'd get done. Yeah. I, I bet these cars are like super expensive though to get. Like, like they cannot be cheap. Oh, they're they're not cheap. But yeah. it's not it's not as expensive as a luxury Ferrari or a Lamborghini. Or okay. No, well, so it's more than like your average man. car, but less than a sports car or like a, a luxury car. When when so the the dudes in not 35. my weekend are like huge into Tesla, and they were like basically educating me on this. It's when they told me I can't remember how much it was, but when they told me how much it was, I was surprised at how little. It, it says uh, Model really? Three achieves 220 miles of range while starting at only 35,000 before incentives. That's not that bad. That's, that's like uh, that's expensive. Toyota Tacoma or something. That's not. Yeah. We'll see, but that's that one model though. That's not like the luxury Tesla that. Yeah. You know. Let's it's just like a, it's like a well-equipped yeah, yeah, yeah. standard vehicle. Yeah, yeah, it's like still, a sedan. You get to A to B without having to do right. shit. Right. With no <laughs> gas either. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's definitely the way we're we're going for shoe. For shoe? I I'm just holding out for the flying car thing, man. That would be the what day. The fuck? How That's come the we aren't there by now? For. God damn it. Every time I watch Back to the Future, I get so pissed. <laughs> like we're, we're already past hoverboards, we're already past all that shit. God damn it. I drove here in a 1999 pickup truck. You know, where's my hover car? Where's my hoverboard? That's probably more dangerous I feel so than cheated. a driving car. Dude, that car looks dope. We're looking yeah, at a but video he's not of a doing Tesla shit. right now, Travis. Yeah, we're looking at a, a Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that looks pretty sweet. Yeah, it looks pretty uh, fast, all the uh, yeah. cameras on it. Pretty right. accurate. Oh, that's what all those are. There's like individual, you know, left camera, right camera, medium range vehicle camera. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it has to be real time. So It is uh, a complicated algorithm, if you Dude, will. Dude, that's nuts. The computers are going to take over. They already have. <laughs> yeah, they already have. That's right. I, mean, I just have kid. uneasy feelings about that in general. Yeah. Well, speaking of tra- Travis, have you seen the show Black Mirror on Netflix? No, I've actually been meaning to start that. Dude, um, highly it hasn't happened that. yet. So good. Yeah, you like they that, right, it. Andrew? Oh yeah, god, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, it's dope. It's, I mean, it's like what we're talking about. You know, it's it's just like right around the corner with yeah. the technology and, and all it's that. It's not like crazy. They're not like, uh, you know, it's not it's not hoverboard. No, it's just kind of like. Integrated technology, the yeah. way that it really is going to happen. It's right around the corner. All yeah, of it. check it out, Travis. It's really cool. I'll have to do that soon. Like, I'm about to be able to start another show. I, I try not to do too many shows at once because I like to just focus in on one thing. What are you but watching I think right I'll have now? to make that definitely my next what you, intense. What are you watching now? More involved watching. What's that? What are you watching now? <laughs> uh, we're watching, me and, me and Carson are watching Shameless currently. Uh, okay, which I've is never seen it. A total. <laughs> it's. it's it's a really strange, kind of raunchy, ridiculous show about a family yep. that just goes through the worst things you can possibly imagine, but it's hilarious and very real in some senses, Yeah, and it's very entertaining. I've heard nothing but good things. I'll have to check it out. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. And, and like, there's moments you're like, oh my god, that's horrible, and yeah. I can relate to that on a very deep personal level, but <laughs> holy crap, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's, it's definitely like, if, you don't, if you're not offended easily... It's worth watching, but if you like Definitely don't nice. like certain things and get offended easily, like I don't recommend it for you because you're not going to like it. Right, right. Uh, what else you got, AC? Any other stories going on? 
I guess uh, Corey Feldman. Uh, the, um, what do you do? The, the uh, <laughs> I don't even know, <laughs> know the story. I haven't read it uh, yet. Uh, you want to read it? So I guess officially the Los Angeles Police Department are has opened an investigation to look into Corey Feldman's claims that a pedophile ring has long existed within Hollywood. Ooh, wouldn't surprise me. You ever heard about this, Travis? I think so. What was the last part of that? Because I think I know what he was talking about, but I didn't hear it. Corey Feldman, that the like child actor from the 80s, launches a campaign to, uh, yeah, to make a film. Yeah, he's been talking about it. Uh, he's making a documentary to expose Hollywood pedophiles. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yep, he says, uh, The Goonies actor tweeted Monday that he has taken the next step to, quote, expose the truth. I just completed a normal sit-down interview with LAPD headquarters. special Or... What? Formal interview, not For, Oh, a formal sit-down interview with LAPD HQ Special Division and gave them all the info I know. Um, yeah, I yeah. remember, like, because didn't Justin Bieber kind of come out and kind of start the, the attention on this topic? Bieber? Recently. I didn't know that. I thought he said something about it. God, him but too. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally wrong. Where are but, you um, now that I need you? No one gets that, but I don't. You're gonna know what you're talking about. It's one of his songs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyway, no, I've, I've definitely heard about <laughs> this, and it's horrifying. Honestly, it's horrifying. It's just, uh, it's. I mean, it's great that it's hopefully going to be stopped eventually. That people are coming out and coming forward, especially like even the sexual uh, um, abuse stuff and assaults, all that in the news recently. Yeah. I think we're just yeah. going towards a. Yeah. Uh, a better a better world to live in hopefully maybe. yeah i hope man well that's cross that, my fingers that's that's what i think like all this shit is all coming out at once but it's yeah. been like 40 years of pent-up <laughs> bullshit <laughs> so it's like yeah, if not longer, i mean so i mean longer, yeah. if there's one good thing about trump being president it's that people are having the courage to stand up about the shit they don't like yeah so dude it's crazy it's, it's, it's really well put yeah so i mean i, I mean the the world is changing and I think it's going to be for the better in Agreed. the long run. We hope. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's kind of like, I think we're going through that growing pain thing right now. Yep, exactly. Yep. Which isn't necessarily all bad. Right. But uh, it's a very interesting time without any question. Like a lot of things are happening that I think a lot of us didn't expect. Um, some good, some bad. Or just keep pushing forward. Yeah. What I, what, what I like is that there's a bunch of bullshit that is like, it's always been happening for so long, but it's just now becoming exposed. Yeah. And yeah. people, and people are like middle finger to the world kind of shit. Like, fuck you. We're tired of it. We're going to fucking change it. Yeah. Which, I, which is what, what really like. blows my mind is, is the Kevin Spacey thing that happened last week. Yep. Dude, crazy. Not right? to like change topics. Dude, so crazy. I'm such a huge fan of his as an actor. You know, what I the fuck? know. What a bummer. I know. I'm right? just like, it's kind of, I mean, a different topic, but like when Tim Allen died, I mean, we, when we like equate to celebrities that we like admire and things, like I've never met Tim, Tim Allen. His movies are amazing, but when Tim, Tim Allen died, Allen like, died? Oh my God. Tim Allen's gone. And like, what? Kevin Spacey wait, never wait, met wait, him, wait, 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 w
but just like you're just you're broken. And the thing with right. like Kevin Spacey, like he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. I love House of Cards. Of course. And now that show will never be the American same. Beauty. He's his career is over. Over. You know? Fucking over. And it's and just, like he's a. a I mean, if the, if this is all true, then great. Right. But I'm just like, what happened? Yeah. Well, what what disappoints me is the fact that like what happened you know and again these are i think they're still allegations right they're not like proven quote unquote i guess i don't know i can't but like what sucks is like in in the culture of la this was like the status quo right and like yeah and for the longest time and like you know like he even said in his kevin spacey even said like when in his public apology or whatever he was like i don't remember that it happened but if it did i'm really sorry but that just goes to yeah. show how meaningless those situations were. Like, it was just the status quo in L.A. to do that kind of stuff. And so, it, like, there, there's a whole, like, um, paradigm shift, I guess you could say, yeah. that I think is happening right now, which I think is good. Um, you just so you do bring up like, an interesting point, too, about just the allegations of it. Like, as far as we know, as outsiders, it is an allegation, but, we de- like, the community and the the whole LA community has like definitely taken that and acted upon it. Like, you know, Netflix is pulling Spacey from all their programs. Like none of his movies can be on there anymore. You know, his publicist, I think dropped him a number of the things. And it's, it's like a, it's a serious allegation, but at this point, is there really any true information? Right. That's that's where I'm at too. I know. I agree. I mean, we, we've talked about this a few times on the show, but it, it is true. It's like, if none of this is true, I mean, it sounds like it probably is, but let's pretend it's not Kevin Spacey. Exactly. Just anybody that's accused of doing this and it's not true. Dude, I mean, that, that would suck. And honestly, yeah. like, anyone... Oh, I think I just swallowed a bug. <laughs> <laughs> Protein. Oh, man, that's like a metaphor for what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> swallowed it. Swallowed it. Um, <laughs> But no, honestly, like if if you were even not that famous, you're just some guy and someone accused you of doing something, you're guilty until proven innocent. It's not the other. Well, the other here's the here's the other and side. It'll ruin I, your life. Here's the other side I see, and maybe exactly. Travis can relate, maybe not. But when when you're on tour, you get talked to by a lot of people, right? Whether right. like fans, females, males, all day. whatever, all day, yeah, all all fucking day. And so like you take a picture with somebody. Like there was. That's what I'm saying. I've never told you this actually, and Travis, you're gonna hear this for the first like. Um, but so I I put my hand around a fan one time who was a huge Alisana fan. I was on tour with Alisana, and they yeah they ended up six months later ended up messaging Sean trying to get free merch because I sexually assaulted them because I put my hand around them when I took a picture. And, but imagine if you were, you know. Uh, even like right yeah some you were dave Grohl or something like you were, yeah exactly you know. so it's like that's <laughs> I, I find it hard to take this stuff seriously until proven guilty kind of thing it sucks because like, you go there's... both ways it's like but you also don't want to victim shame you don't no. want to like you know people who need to speak out have to have a space where they can do that but it's just it's fucked i'm just like well, I mean, you know, if, it, like, like I, like when I, t- when I messaged the the girl who supposedly was upset about this, I, I, I was like, if that upset you, you should have said something. I would have stopped immediately. Like, no right. big deal. Like, 
I'm really, really sorry that made you uncomfortable. Yeah. But I what mean, did she say? She never responded, and it eventually Weird. just dropped. But right. it, it so was she one just of wanted some free shit. Exactly. It was one of those things where it's like I'm taking a picture with a fan. And then all of a sudden, several years later, I get a message saying, you sexually assaulted me. Well, imagine being like, like in like Motley Crue or some shit where they're just exactly. tits out, dicks or out Kevin all Spacey. day. Or Kevin Spacey. Yeah, where he's <laughs> fucking amyl nitrates and touching little boys. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't it's fucked. flirting with people every night on like fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, I think it's like the the anyway. definition of a conundrum. Like, I mean, the we live by the laws that you're innocent until proven guilty. That's why we have a court system and a judicial system. Judicial system. God, judicial. that word's hard. But uh, yeah. But the, like, but all the of these problem is his show's canceled. In, yeah, he doesn't have done. a job anymore right. because of an allegation. See, I, I'm not big enough and, to where I my career is ruined because of it. But right. he is right. Yeah, no, it's it's fucked. I, I think I, I, I go by the way, like, you know, please, if, if something happened, say it, come forward, and then let the due process do its thing, you know? Because, I mean, people definitely come out and say stuff all the time that is completely untrue. And not saying that this is true here at all by any means, but I, I don't think that it's a, a wise decision to just go off what people say because people can be well, really yeah deceiving. The problem is, Travis, people... And that you could use this, what I'm about to say, you can apply this to anything, uh, a- any political topic or any debate, whatever. People have a really hard time with duality or, or like numerous points at once. Like in this case, there could, it's both, it's both fucked up that victims feel like they don't have a place to talk and they get shunned. Mm-hmm. But then it's also true that people are coming out and falsely accu- um accusing people and ruining their lives it's both you there's know so and many there's so many bands that i so it's know like where it's so fucked where they they didn't agree to sleep with a fangirl and then they got sued for sexual harassment <laughs> right i i know probably five or six yeah i'm sure it happens all the time it happens all the time i mean yeah. if you're of any clout or any celebrity status at all you're whether you do that. the good thing or the bad thing you're still getting fucked. you're still getting fucked yeah yeah well uh because you have all the attention on you and yeah all right, let's move on to the next thing here. That's depressing. Yep. What do you got, Drew? I guess uh, people uh, people are pretty upset about Larry David's monologue. I haven't listened to it on SNL, but he was the past host this last Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't on watched SNL. This. Yeah, I haven't. Read it. read that headline there, Drew. The, uh, yeah, right there. The debate over Larry David's Holocaust joke on <laughs> SNL: bad taste or just bad comedy? Ooh. Question mark. See, I, I didn't hear it either, but I heard about this a lot. Have you seen it, Travis? SNL? I actually haven't. I don't really watch a lot of SNL stuff, so I'm I'm completely yeah. dark here. Do, but do you know who Larry me, David what's is? Going on? Travis, do you know who Larry David is? Uh no, I don't actually. Not not off the top of my head. He's the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm, um, that HBO show. He he co-created and wrote uh, Seinfeld. Okay, sure. That that dude. So anyway, yeah, he was the host on last week's SNL. And apparently in the opening monologue, he made some joke about the Holocaust because he's Jewish. Super fucking Jewish. And like that's... Sure. Right, Drew? Like that's the basis of most of his jokes is like yeah. how white and privileged and Jewish he is. So he's always talking about that. Uh-huh. Like, that's the, that's, that is Curb Your Enthusiasm as a show. 
he's walking around complaining okay. about the smallest things possible. Like, you know, and it's hilarious. So why are, so why are people upset? Well, let's watch it. It's let's seven minutes. It. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Fuck. Uh, well, let's see if we can find... Let's skim through the summary here. Uh, yeah. Um, Jewish six I've always, I've always been obsessed with women, and I've often wondered if I'd grown up in Poland when Hitler came to power <laughs> and was sent to a concentration camp, would I still be checking out woman, women in the camp? <laughs> what? <laughs> that's fucking funny. Yeah, it's fucking funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. What the fuck? I, I mean, people, god damn it, they need people to, like to fucking complain. relax. Yeah. Political correctness <laughs> is just ruining everything. Well, it's like what Travis was saying earlier. Yes. Yeah. That's the whole point of comedy and art in in general. Like, you're supposed to take horrible shit and work through it, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Some of this shit is on the I think what's funny about this, too, is, like, the probably the majority, again, maybe not the majority, but a good number of people that are offended, like, really offended by this are not Jewish or anything to do with That's the right. Holocaust at all. Yep. Which, again, it's a horrible incident. Like, we all recognize that. Worst part of history ever. Right. But... I mean, I'm not Jewish. I love Jewish people, but like, if they want to make fun of themselves, yes, not my business. Yes. Do your thing, you know, whatever. <laughs> Agreed. And uh, that's, I mean, again, that's the point of comedy is to, it, and it, what it does is it takes the power away from these horrible events like 9/11 or the Holocaust, whatever these exactly. Mass that's a good like, point. Yeah, if you can joke about it, you're taking that power away from the fuckers that did it, and that's the whole point of it. And that's what he's doing here. I, I think there's so much power kind of going off that about just standing up to the things that are bad in the world, whether it's through comedy or through just actual factual right. information. You Agreed. know, there's a lot of fake news and just Agreed. very, you know, convoluted things just happening with, with what's going on in the world today. If you just can stand up to it, you know, be truthful about it, laugh about it, I think that honestly means more than anything. I... I, I... This may not be a popular opinion, but for me, the whole political correctness thing, it, I can't stand it. Oh, I'm right there with you. I just, I just can't no, it, stand it. The problem with it is it's like... If something offends you, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. Freedom of speech yeah. is a pillar. It's one of the pillars of this society and this country and Western culture as a whole. And you need to be able to say what you want, when you want, and if you don't agree with it, then the the opposition should be able to fight back with their words. You can't you can't ban speech. You know the it's fucked, man. People are being banned from campuses to speak. People are being banned at like comedy clubs and comedians are having a hell of a hard time right now. And that's that's really fucked up. It's absurd and I'm one of the people too like when I when I read about current events in the media, I I will go to a variety of different news sources, you know, of different political leanings sure. to, to see what they're saying. Yep. You know, some of it I'm not going to agree with. That's fine. Some of it I might agree with more, but I, I think it's important to kind of open yourself to, to other thinkings. I, I think right. we live in a little bit of an echo box, especially yes. with social media on Facebook and, and other things yes. like Twitter. But what, what it's, what's wrong with trying to understand another person that might think a little different with you differently than you agreed. Um, we're so, like, you're wrong, I'm right. Right. Drives me crazy. It doesn't exist. No, and the, the left versus right, it's just, it's team politics. You know, it's Raiders versus the Seahawks. It's fucking bullshit. And it's, it's completely absurd. It's absurd. And people, human beings are complex people. And, you know, if you want to talk about 
each individual issue, I'm down to do that. But n by no means would I ever subscribe to one side or the other. I used to. I used to be very loyal to one side, and sure. I can't do it anymore. You know what? It's and that, that's it's a great point. Is you you can't. I mean, I think very few people are like one side or another in terms of political left versus right. In Poland, like, there's, there's definitely those people like that are that. extreme, like they exist. But I think the majority of of individuals will fall somewhere in the middle and then have certain points of their political uh, affiliation with another side because right. they the like, oh, I actually States, yes, like like yeah. what this side thinks. But I, you know, it's just there's no map to it. Yeah. But they try to kind of quantify it in a map sense to make it simple, but it's not that simple. No, it's definitely not. And yeah, this, uh, I don't know, the whole PC culture thing that you brought up, Neil, let's go back to that. It it really is, it's pissing me off a lot. It's, it's unfortunate because, I mean, everyone sitting in this room and Travis on the other side of the country, we're all artists, you know, musicians, artists. And the whole point of this was freedom of expression. That's why we all got into it. Um, you know, and it, and it started, like, back in the day when they used to put, like, uh, uh, explicit parental advisory shit on, on the albums. Which they still do. They still mm. do. And, like, the the funny thing about that is, like, they first started to do that with groups like NWA. And, all, you know, and, like, there's just a lot of, like, racism there, too, when they first started to do that. And what it did for that band is it made them even bigger. It made them even cooler. Because now kids are like, oh, fuck, Yeah. Like, this is, like, you know, cool shit. And anyway, I could go on about it for Get some yeah, quality I'll, explicit I'll, content on my Walkman. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'll, I'll, exactly. I'll keep it brief because we try to stay away from political stuff. But so in, in California, there was a professor. I forget the college. Forgive me. Um, but probably Berkeley. He, 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 he posted an article on the study of basically the idea of, like, gender, like, do you identify being a male, a female, unisex, like that whole idea? And he he was ba he was fired because he he presented wow. an opinion. Wow, that's so fucked. Yeah, and 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 like so, and and there were protests in front of the college saying he was like a racist, a Nazi, of this whole fucking thing. But none of them actually read the article. Well, they have a right to protest. They don't have a right to fight back, but you can't. Right, but you got to be educated. You got to you got to read the article. <laughs> yeah, and and it's That's like uh, people are losing their jobs over stuff. Oh no, his career's ruined. There's a, there's a it's guy done. that uh, released a memo on on he worked for Google, and he he did something similar. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about this. You heard about that? Yeah, he said something. It and he, it wasn't hate speech. I mean, I don't really agree with everything he said, but essentially, he was saying there is a difference between men and women in the workplace. And here are the differences. And people lost their fucking mind. It was a study. It it was, was, no, study. it wasn't even a study. It was just his opinion. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, he cited some studies, sure. But an anyway, opinion is a study they demanded mind. his job and the public demanded he got fired. It's like, God damn, and you're messing yep. with someone's livelihood. Yep, and he will never work again. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, there's there's hundreds of examples like that. But um Remember a time? Do you remember a time when we grew up where we could like express our opinion and that was the cool thing to do? Well, and yeah, and if some disagreed, <laughs> then they would contest that opinion with their opinion. Debate class. You debate that. Yes, and yeah, that's, that's that's not the, a thing anymore. No, that's the world I grew up in. Like, <laughs> hey, if you and I'll fight people that say stupid shit, like not physically, but you know, you debate them, yeah. you get into a <laughs> debate. Um, but I would never go demand for their job. How many people are in the world? Seven billion, eight billion, something like that. Um, some insane number. You really think we're all going to have the same opinion? 
You really think Dude, there's that... like three hundred and almost four hundred million in this country alone? I think right. How can there possibly coming from be different two cultures, party different system? belief yeah. systems? One like... guy is supposed to represent our our beliefs. Like it's insane. Yeah, it's it's. Just, I feel like just there's so up. many people that have None such up. a small-minded view of the world. Like they, right. they don't understand how much world there actually is. They don't understand that the world revolves the more around themselves, in my opinion. That's kind of yeah. a strong opinion. But, I mean, in honesty, like, like, seriously, there's more people in the fucking world than you. Like, I don't give a shit about your Instagram posts. I don't yeah. give a shit about your individual opinion. Like, like hey, sure. That's, that's offensive. I'll take it into <laughs> account. But exactly my point, right? Like, <laughs> well, it's, it's like, like, get over well, it. Well, it's like you were saying, Travis, a lot of these people have never even traveled. They've never even been out there outside of their regional area. You know, I mean. I think, like, this, the single greatest thing you can do is get out to somewhere you've never been before. Yes. To experience some, some other city, someone else's culture. Yep. And I've been lucky to have done that on a number of occasions with touring, right. you know, in this country and out of this country. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much about the world doing Oh, that. hell yeah. And it, I'm very lucky to have done that, honestly. Yeah. And that's one thing I feel like we don't have the luxury of in the States is we don't see a lot of the outside world. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty isolated or insulated, rather. Believe it or not, there are people that think differently from you. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> Well, anyway, I don't believe it. <laughs> true, true diversity is just that. It's actual diversity, and it's it's welcoming and an open-mindedness to all walks of life. And that's what drives me nuts is all these people that preach. Like, well, you don't believe with me, so therefore right. you're wrong. Yeah, it's like, well, that's not real diversity. That's your own yep. <laughs> formed version of Um. Well, anyway, Drew, what, what else? There's there a couple other things on there. Um. What do we got? Oh, God. You had to go to there, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Well, you don't have to. But... Um, 26 dead in a shooting in Texas. Here we go. Here it comes. Yeah, I know nothing about this, but let's, yeah, let's, just, let's do this, because I, I, I'm sure we're all pretty bummed about it. Let's, let's make it uh, brief. Let's make it brief. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace to the people that died. Fuck the guy that did it. Um, yeah. And... Uh, I have other opinions on the matter, but I don't want to get too into it <laughs> because, again, it's like but those opinions I have don't match up with the liberal base. And that's what sucks is the fact that and, we don't feel comfortable voicing our opinions. And I'm anyway. supposed to be that guy. And somehow it's like every time I hear people talk about that laws are going to fix this or something, I'm just like, yeah, it, it's never made sense to me personally. And I, I would love for someone to prove me wrong. I just... I want to know where people are coming from, but um, what's the headline? James, I think I think we're, I think we're similar on that sense of understanding, kind of what you were alluding to. Yeah, Uh, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we're (laughs) the the one podcast with the goddamn animals guys. Yeah, we we had that that kind of heated debate, but we were all on the same page. We just did it in different. Yeah, about it in different ways. Andrew, what what blows my mind about about this particular incident to go to just dive into one aspect of it yeah, is yeah. I, I don't want to say the guy's name because I'm, I'm I'm not into that of, of promoting the person that committed these acts no, of God, horror, no, no. but the guy that did it, you know, was in the Air Force, discharged. Yep. Based on his priors, should not have been able to legally purchase That's firearms. That's right. We were talking, and we were just the talking Air Force. Yeah, didn't do their job 
which yeah. which broke the system in a sense. So the system most likely would have worked. That that's right. Agreed. Somebody somebody dropped the ball. Agreed. Yeah, by that all, blows by my all measurable, mind. By the law, he wasn't supposed to own a firearm at all, and the it was a clerical error on the federal government side to file him through the national background check. And, and it's so, Trump's fault. No, it's it's yeah. just it will no, it's just big government. I mean that's according to CNN. There's a, there's a lot of jobs yeah. and a lot of moving parts and moving wheels, so you know, eventually that's going to break down. Um and that's just my point is you can't rely on that. I mean right? I mean it's he's a fucking exactly. man. And so anyway, I, anyway, I, I think we all I I I mean I, I've got my Instagram, which is public and stuff, but I obviously have private social platforms that's for me and my friends and my family that I, I post things to. And I, I made a post the other day about being personally responsible for yourself in, in any manner yes. and yeah. things. And like, Amen. you know, we, we have the government to do certain things, which is very helpful in senses, but You're in, in the same sense, I don't want to rely on the government to protect me no, that's or not to guarantee for. me certain things right. because I can't, like, I don't want to rely on them and all of a sudden it doesn't come through and then I'm screwed. Well, think of how and long think, it took for someone to respond in this incident alone. I mean, if, if someone hadn't engaged that, that asshole and stopped him from furthering attacking other people, then it took a long time for the police to arrive. And yeah, it was a small area in Texas, but it's pretty elitist and it's pretty... People always talk about white privilege, white privilege, but it's pretty white privilege and elitist to to say, well, the proper thing to do in this situation is to call the cops. Like, well, yeah, maybe if you live in downtown L.A. or Portland or New York City, <laughs> where the cops Even get then. there in three minutes. But if you live in rural Texas, there's a 15 to 20 minute wait time. More than that. More than Way that. Way more than that. Dude, I, I have a friend out who lives in a town called Vernonia, Travis, which is like 45, about an hour west of Portland. And it's just a little okay. podunk town. It's actually not that far from where me and Andrew grew up. Um, not far at all, really. And a similar thing happened. Like, it wasn't a mass shooting, but someone broke into their house. This guy's wife was a therapist. And a uh, client of hers broke into the house at, like, 3 in the morning. Anyway, long story short, he had a gun. And the homeowner was armed, too. And he kept him at bay with his gun and convinced him, hey, just drop the gun. We'll just we'll hang out here and talk. And they waited for the cops. Guess how long it took for the cops to get there? Take a guess. 45 minutes? An 45 hour minutes. and a half. An hour and a half. I mean, imagine sitting there in a living room with some guy that is off his fucking rocker in your living room at three in the morning. And uh, so anyway, it's like, you know, back to your self-reliance thing. The government, it serves a purpose to do things that we can't do as, as, as a people. Like fight our wars, right? Uh, exactly. Whatever healthcare thing you believe in or you don't, or like whatever, like big government things that you can't do yourself, right? And individual mm-hmm. responsibility has to be something that people take into account. So anyway, uh, you can talk about this for days and days and days, but it's it's such yeah. a shame. It's just awful. It's a very interesting conversation, and I I, I, I like to have this conversation with yeah. many people I can because there's obviously a lot of polarizing opinions out there, which yep. is great. But I, f- it sucks because I think so many folks out there are very unable to have a discussion about this yeah, because they're so, right. it's so fearful. Heated. And I understand being afraid. Yeah. And and they they want to do things be- to to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But at the end of the day, you have to really look at what's going on. Move past the fear of yep. shit just happening, and 
look at what's going on at an analytical level, which sucks. Like looking at these horrible situations from a very analytical level isn't fun to do because we feel a lot as human beings. Yeah. But that's how we figure out what's going on and how to fix it. Well, it's, Not from a level of well, fear. The, the, and the, the thing that sucks too is like with the way the media is going now, name your media company. It's all fucked. But like, oh yeah. So none of us actually know what's going on at all. So it's how crazy. are we supposed to make informed decisions? Yeah, you're hearing so many different versions of the story. I would highly recommend people go and listen to any of the interviews or podcasts that have been done as of late with the guy that um, that engaged the shooter. He's a local Texas guy. Yeah. He went and went to battle with this motherfucker until the cops got there. Um, he has a really honest account of what happened because, hey, he was there. Um, I highly re- recommend it. It's pretty sobering. It's pretty scary. I mean, he ran out there in his, with bare feet, grabbed the gun he had in his living room. Um, thank God he had a way to protect himself. Fuck so, yeah, Texas. But Fuck yeah, yeah. It's just... It's, What's crazy to me, too, is like his story is hard to find, it honestly. It is hard to find. Like it's not being reposted by every outlet, yeah. you know, in existence. It took me some time to find it. Well, you know? it depends on what... They're not like... yeah. And it, it sucks because, like, uh, Andrew has a Washington Post article up here, and, you know, it's, it's historically a little bit left-leaning. But they – often people will be like, well, this guy engaged the shooter after all the murders happened, like after he shot everyone in the church, which sucks. That sucks. It's too bad he didn't get to him earlier. But we don't know what this guy was going to do after. I mean, he was a piece of shit. He, nope. he was going to get in his – the car was running, and the car had a bunch of other weapons in it. And he was ready to rock. He had full tactical gear on. He was going to hop in his car. The, the guy said there was a church like a mile down the road from where they just were. Um, so anyway, anyway, the, the, the point what, of What's the, cool to me, like in yeah. the aftermath of this is, at least in Tennessee, I've done some reading because I, I follow the local news here, is uh, I'm in Davidson County, which is kind of the, the national area. The Williamson County, which I think is the, to the east of us, their law enforcement department um, has now offered consultations and write-ups and they'll go to your office you're building your church give safety meetings right. look at your building tell you how to make it safe yep. you know how to get out and i think that's awesome me too i think we need more of that of i think we need more education on how education. to be out in the public yes. and if something does go down which is unlikely yeah, statistically, statistically yeah. you're very unlikely to be in a situation like that but, but that, that's proactive the city of portland thinks they can hold a sign downtown and think it's going to change things exactly or or make um Look, I mean, I guess whether you're, quote, pro-gun or anti-gun, I don't really personally care. Um, I'm not pro-anything. I'm just pro. What I'm pro is reality. I'm, I, I try to live my life based on reality. And the, the It's re- a great way to put it. You know it. what I mean? Like, I don't love guns. Who, who would love a gun? That's not, that's not the point. The point is I love uh, life, <laughs> and I, I love being safe with my wife at a movie theater and the reality of the world in which I live in. And so that's what I'm going to base all my decisions on. Like what is actually happening around me? Not what I wish would happen. Yeah. Not what I, I wish my government could do for me. I, I just, that's how I see it. So for now, until someone can come up with a magical way for this stuff to go away, I personally, I'm going to be more self-reliant. I'm going to be more self-aware. I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, aware of my surroundings 
and uh, we could talk about that forever. My, uh, <laughs> but, so, so to end yeah, this, that's the best I've heard it put ever. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, to, to end this subject, then we'll move on. So my stepdad put it a very, very cool way that resonated with me for a long time. So my my mom was a very anti gun kind of person, which is great. That's fine. Um, but my stepdad pointed out to her, if we outlaw guns, that just means that the good people aren't going to be able to get guns to defend themselves. Because the bad people that are getting the guns are going to get guns regardless. Well, I mean, yeah, and like, look, last time I checked, murder was illegal. So exactly. this guy... He, because you outlaw non- guns, it just means that the good people to defend themselves it, are it's, not going to be able to shocking, defend themselves. It's shockingly ignorant to, to yeah. think that that's the answer. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, and I want someone to message me or hit me up if they think I'm way off the here. <laughs> well, Honestly, because I've just I've not I've yet to hear a good point, world and war, I want to. I really do. World, world, I'm uh, really open to it. World War One, the Japanese didn't invade America because they said their their saying was. Behind every blade of grass in America is a They did not invade America. Because uh, guns in Japan are illegal. Yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I it's very hard to get a firearm in Japan. I don't believe in gun crime. I don't believe in gun violence. There's just violence. There's crime. There's bad things. Um, and 9/11, bad people will always do bad. 9-11 happened with guys with box cutters, for fuck's sake. Yep. I mean, it's yeah. if you want to cause harm. Some guy drove into a bunch of people in New York City with a U-Haul truck. Yep. Some guy killed 50-odd-some people in Paris with a, a van. No one's talking about banning vans. But with gun logic, that's acceptable. Well, and it, but, a lot, but here's the thing, though. I, I don't fault people. I'm not necessarily mad. It's, not a, it's like Travis was saying. We should be able to talk about it. It's a, it's a discussion, and it's, an, it's a right. continuing discussion because I think people, the people that I, my personal experience, that, that feel... Um, strongly anti-gun or however you want to put it they don't like firearms they know little to nothing about them I mean exactly. almost nothing I mean they don't even they couldn't even point to what one was what's the difference between semi-auto or full auto or this or that and I don't expect you to it's not I don't expect everyone to be into guns why would I it's a stupid thing to really actually be into but what my point being is like know the topic know the topic in which you're discussing I, I would never expect I mean, look, we all here are pretty... And ex- 99.9% of the time, they never do. Or the, whatever. It doesn't I don't matter know. what the topic is. Yeah, it's just my personal experience has, has pretty overwhelmingly been that experience. The people who think that that's the answer, or at least that's the first thing they're like, I want to do something. And because and, you, you have a right to want to do something. I get it. I want to do something. You'd be a sociopath. They're very motivated to want right, to do something. Right, yeah, right, I get it. You're motivated. And you want it. You're like, fuck, something has to happen. You know, God, we have to do something. So you I, do I the get best that, that motivation. You know how. That's right. But you don't do any fucking research. <laughs> or I guess I don't know. <laughs> and look, yeah. it's, it's not that, an angle. There was a point you made earlier too, uh, just about education in general. Like I think so many general issues would be alleviated if we were all a better educated people. Yes. You know, yeah. by doing the research. You know, knowing what you're actually talking about, like looking up no emotion. documents and articles. Check your ego exactly. and emotion at the door. Just go for facts, and you may be surprised on that's, both sides. I might be surprised. That's always been and my I, point. I'm exactly, that I am. That's always been my point with the way the media is. We cannot. We literally, it's impossible to be correctly informed. Well, it's certainly it's certainly, unless you were there. I, yeah, what I would say is it's really easy to be to have your your confirmation. What were you going to say, Travis? I said like. 
you, you said it, it was it's impossible to be correct, correctly I, I, formed I feel that way, unless yeah. you were there. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, that's awful, and I guess we talked about it more than we said we would. <laughs> we did. We did indeed. It's, it's hard not to. It's hard not it's to. It's my fault. I get really riled up with things. this stuff. We just want peace. We want love and Everyone happiness. Everyone wants the same and, thing. Yeah. I know. And and honestly, if someone's listening and they're like just they're yelling into their headset and they totally disagree with me, I get it. Send, it's, it's fine. Send us a snail mail. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you probably <laughs> know me. Write us I'm, I'm always open to talk about it. Here's my rule on talking about guns, though. It has to be one-on-one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. There's no booze involved. It's not a group discussion. Yep. Yep. This is not something you talk about at the bar when they're, when you have to talk over people. Like, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Um, this, is a, this is a complex discussion that requires complex obedi- um, discipline and patience. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and so, understanding. And understanding. Actual understanding. And so, anyway. Which is why it hasn't been solved yet. Complex titties is what Andrew just typed into the. <laughs> yes! Titties! Amazing. We're, no, we're, we're now back to normal regis- regular scheduled programming. Yeah. yeah right. Regularly scheduled. <laughs> shit shit can get heated on here. Uh, well, for what it's worth. Uh, I love it. This is I, great. I just love how when you type in complex titties, half the pictures are Trump. Uh, <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> Drew, there is a couple other. What, what did you got there? That's it. That was pretty much was it. it. What's yeah. the what's that Rolling Stone one? Nothing. Oh, this is I picked up. It's kind of related to a. Uh, well, oh, it's an ad. <laughs> That's an ad. Uh, to the free speech thing we were talking about just a second ago, but uh, you know, thirty you years get? ago, um, Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister was fighting for you know um, free speech or right. like with the lyrics and yep. whatnot. And the, That's right. He was a big fan. Like we already fought for all this shit before right. you know political correctness. And, That's right. Yeah, we've been there, done that. I mean. And you can even go further, like the '50s and people oh, yeah, being sure. right put on. Lenny the, Bruce, the problem, yeah. comedian. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the problem Bruce, is it's way exactly. more extreme nowadays than it was back then too. Well, there's actual ba- back then you could drive drunk and just get signed off with a warning. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we live in a different world That's now. Right. Oh boy, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting place to live, isn't it, Travis? It's a, it's a weird country. Man, it, it blows my mind every day. Every single day, just something's like, wow. If, yeah. if, if I can is, ask this a question. 17, living on Earth. Yeah. What, so, so what Pretty are... exciting. I, I'm, I'm assuming the, the issues that plague Portland, Oregon are a little different than the issues that plague Tennessee. What, what, are, what are some things down there that you guys are like up in arms about that are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what are some of the pressing issues down there? You know, it's a it's an interesting question, because because the the Davidson County, which encompasses Nashville, is definitely a one of the most liberal areas of Tennessee, right. which is great. I love that because because as I mentioned earlier, I think Tennessee is a, a generally a very conservative state. The election uh, last year for president was we were definitely a red state, you know, by far. Um, but it's interesting to, to kind of find these little pockets of, you know liberal leaning people in some of these bigger areas and Nashville's no exception. So I feel like honestly a lot of the things that generally Nashvilleians are talking about might be fairly similar to to Portland. Yeah. In a lot of sense, which is, you know, things like gun violence. You know, there's there's tons of carjackings in Nashville. There's some gang violence. There's tons of drug busts and yeah. things like that. Like that all exists here and there's lots of opinions on that. And things, same thing with, uh, we have a huge, uh, 
gay pride thing every year, which is awesome. Um, that's that's been growing every single year that I've been here and, and seen more and more about it get headlines, which is super rad. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very cool place to live because being being kind of like the surrounded city with tons of conservative input from other parts of the state, it's it's a polarizing place. But Absolutely. I think that's kind of cool because yeah. you get a lot of ideas, you get a lot of things discussed, a lot of arguments maybe at times, but that's okay. Um, but specifically, I don't really know what, what would be a, a different, you know, uh, thing that Nashvilleians might care about more than Portland or be is, discussed more than the uh, Portland area. From what I can tell, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is Nashville is like Oregon where, you know, Portland, the city of Portland and the surrounding areas typically is pretty liberal, left wing, at least left leaning. And then you go 30 minutes in any direction outside of Portland, it's pretty quickly conservative and what whatever that that more that's exactly right yeah yeah is that is that pretty much how what's really interesting you've probably seen because this actually made national headlines i I think he's one of our senators bob coker holker i don't really remember he has i don't know a lot about him because again i haven't lived here officially very long to really know a lot of the the local politics that have been happening republican you know uh politician from tennessee it's been giving Donald Trump a lot of shit recently and call him out on stuff. And we're loving, it. you know, cause he's, he's a guy that is a conservative, you know, has those values and things, but is not afraid to call out DT when he's clearly off his rocker yeah. and it's awesome. Um, and you know, I disagree with him on a lot of things, but to see someone actually stand up and, and get it, get attention for it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. You know, That's it awesome. kind of actually, and he's about to retire, so he's not going to go for re-election, um, which is maybe why he's maybe coming out of the woodwork a little bit. But that, that's been kind of interesting here, and there's been a lot of coverage on that uh, recently, e- even in the national headlines. Like, there was like a Twitter feud, I think, between DT and Bob. <laughs> Where, whereabouts is Nashville in, in relation to Tennessee? Yeah, so really Nashville is very close to the Kentucky border. I can get to Kentucky in 30 minutes. Oh, okay, so it's north um, In terms of east-west, we're fairly middle of the state. Right. And then towards the the northern border. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and, and Tennessee is like a, a narrow state, right? Like it's it's thin from um, uh, north Top and south. Top to bottom right, and, right. and it's, long. It's like my Left penis, to right, that's correct. It is. It's, just it's like exactly like my penis. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like getting getting to Memphis, like where my girlfriend's from, that's a three hour trip. Mm. Um, Knoxville is the other direction to the east, or excuse, yeah, to the east. Gotcha. I think that's at least two hours or so. If you're driving towards like one of the coasts, you're going to be in Tennessee for a while. But if you're going north or south, like again, when I go home to Michigan, I'm out of Tennessee within thirty minutes. Wow, really? Yep. Damn. Do you drive to Michigan typically? Yeah, because I'm too poor to fly. How, how far of a drive is that? Uh, I can do it in about eight and a half hours on a good day. Oh, Bad damn. days is about maybe nine and a half. Yeah, I always forget. You know, it's a little different out in the east side of this country. The, the states seem to be so much smaller. They're a lot closer together. Yeah. It's more Europe. Yeah. Style. The one, like, the, the drive is pretty good, except when you go through, the, through Indiana, which you go through the long ways of Indiana. Dude. So you're in Indiana, in Indiana forever. There are some And it's one of the most boring in states outside of, like, the Plains yeah. and, like, maybe Oklahoma or Nebraska. Ugh. There is nothing, nothing good in Indiana, wow. dude. So, so sorry for from Indiana. So when I, I don't tu- hate when, you. when I've toured, 
my least two favorite states, sorry, not my weekend, but are Wyoming. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Nebraska. Uh-huh. By far. Dude. It takes fucking hours to get through them and there's nothing but corn. Have you ever been to North Platte, Nebraska? I have not, no. Anyone that's listening? That's uh, I don't Platte. think so. Dude, that is a fucked up little town. It's like... <laughs> I will say this, the though. Nazis had won there's the war. some... That's what that place is like. It's, uh... It's fucked. Like, all the town... All the... the Me and Stefan went there. All the stores are, like, open random hours. Like, we're open Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 1 to 2.30. Then we open again at 4. We close back... At, you know, it's just, like, the most random shit ever and there's little kids running around with their shirts I just shirts fought the urge to say something really offensive it's, uh, I'm not gonna say <laughs> okay. as, as to a reason as to why they're only sorry sorry everyone Neil just uh, saying that though I love I love us. visiting parts of this country that I've never been to before that are different than what I'm used to I think that's super interesting even if it is totally. rather unexciting um, I, again driving through Wy- or not Wyoming but uh, like Montana you know any anywhere out there is just Epically beautiful. Oh, yeah. I remember one time totally. on tour with May where they were actually blasting, I think, for a new road or something. So we were actually stuck on the highway for maybe 45 minutes. We just got out of the van and we were right on like a, a lake. There was mountains and we just like Big explored for like a good 30 minutes for the traffic move. Yep. That was amazing. It was way cool. It's amazing. That's yep. a, that's one thing I'll say. It's very beautiful country. Yeah. But absolutely. when But when you're used to touring the East Coast in Texas... And like you see a city every hour, yeah. It's like it's the most boring oh, yeah. thing ever. And it's like okay, well, we got to go through Nebraska and Wyoming to get to our next date. I it's think like, one of the uh, most boring drives is when you get outside Oregon into California and you're going through like Sacramento. That long, Andrew, it, you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't that take you very long. Fucking though. stretch. It doesn't take you very Ugh. long. How many hours? Uh, How many hours does it take? It's like four, five. Like four hours? Five. Nebraska takes like ten yeah, hours ten, to get through. And at least, uh, there's like <laughs> nothing. nothing but corn. Oh, corn sucks. and a deer. I think probably the worst drive I've experienced is when, when I head out to California, uh, I'm specifically with John Paul White. I've done this with May too, um, is we, we maybe get to Texas and then have to drive through the, the desert. And yeah. that drive New Mexico. is something else. Something else, man. People Just live insane. out there. People live in like. Have you ever been to Death Valley, California? I'm not there specifically, but I've, I've been in that relative area. Dude, you want to talk about people that want to be isolated, like totally anti-government, anti-everything? That's where they go. Yeah, well, it's, it's fucked. People like live it's in wild. the mount in the hillside underground, like really creepy shit. Well, I, as you know, like that's not even as bad as like. So when you when you tour, there's the East Coast, there's the West Coast. And there's Texas. Yeah, right. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's its own demographic when yep. you're touring. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like uh, there's bands from Texas that just tour Texas. Yep. Because they can. Because all, the, <laughs> all the big cities are so spaced out that like, yeah, we'll just... it's like California. It's like when you live in Sacramento, you're not going to drive 45. No. No. But when, when you live in Salem, Oregon, you'll drive fucking two hours to go see a of show. Of course. Or when you live in Portland, if somebody's playing in Seattle, you'll drive three hours to go see Exactly. You live in Texas, wow. like, fuck that. I'm not going to drive 45 minutes. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and Probably the other craziest drive I've ever done was was L.A. to San Francisco. And this was, like, in July, so it was hot. Yep. So L.A. was 110 degrees, did a show there. I think we went to Temecula next, so a little further south. Then we oh, back up Temecula. north 
um, got out of the van in San Francisco. It was 60 degrees after just being 110. We were literally freezing. <laughs> it was the most insane temperature change I've ever experienced in my life. Have you, have you mostly... Like, did we just go to another planet? Have you mostly done van tours or bus tours? Uh, now it's mostly... Well, it's probably even. Originally, I was doing a lot of van tours, like May, John Paul White, some of the other smaller groups that I, I've toured with, like earlier was all van the past two years have all been buses like with uh, michael w smith with rodney atkins um some of the corporate gigs that i've done um if we go far enough away it's it's all bus which is great i love the bus i'm not a big van person anymore i get very uncomfortable (laughs) in vans because how many how many people were you touring with in a van say that again sorry i missed it how many how many people in a van were you traditionally touring with let's see well good question i think May we had eight. Nice. Um, that's a five five band and three crew. Um, John Paul White was less than that, I think, by one, like six or seven. Uh, probably seven. Um, when bad. I've done corporate gigs, though, we've had ten, and those aren't super like those are under four hours, but still four hours in a van with ten people is oh shit insane. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Um, not a lot of room to. But packing 10 people in a bus, no big deal. Whatever. Let's well, yeah, do it, bus, you know? Yeah, Super easy. Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're getting pretty close to the end here. We've been going a couple hours. What time is it in Nashville, Travis? You're two hours. It is 9.53 p.m. Damn. It's time for some dinner. Yeah. Ooh, always cracked. Dinner. Let you go. Hey, Neil, I got a question for you. Oh, God. Here it comes. Why are there all these goddamn flies around here? That's something I've been trying to figure out, and Jeez. they're they're really rude. Have you noticed that? Yeah, like, they went in my mouth. Yeah, if they, like... Is that so, what the... Yeah, you ate that earlier? Yeah. Man. We've yeah, got, no, like... I'm, like, shooing them away every two seconds. So, we, so, every... In Portland, every winter, when the summer, spring, turn, whatever, turns into fall, winter... Yeah, there um, is a lot of those little fuckers. Yeah, they they like they hover inside because yeah. it's warm, but they're really rude. So like you know, like a normal fly, you like too. flick them off, like you 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 know flick your hand or whatever. Yeah, they, they don't fly care. Away. They, they don't, don't care. fucking care. They don't care. Yeah. They just fly into your mouth and shit. So little that's a problem. Flies. Yeah, little assholes. It's not dirty in here, right? Um, well, Travis. Uh, <laughs> well. Well, uh, let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> um, uh, we cover the flies in the world. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you've been inspired by? Any bands you've been listening to? Any other movies or anything Man. that you can uh, let people know about or anything? Anything at all? Man, that's, that's on the spot. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, I just, I, I, I always, I always am, you know, like I obviously spend a lot of time here working on the stuff I have to work on, but I, I love always listening to music. I try to jump on Spotify every day to find something I haven't heard before. As I mentioned before, I love watching movies. Like I, I really kind of pull inspiration and ideas from really everything, you know, even like, again, from just being outside, like nothing is better than just, I, for me, going outside for minutes, taking a deep breath, exhale, clear your head, come back in. But that's just kind of who I am. So I, yeah. I really kind of pull strength if you will and inspiration and ideas from from kind of everywhere because i've just been affected in by a lot of different things that's just kind of who i am sure so it just kind of depends on the day yeah absolutely i think that's a that's a fair answer especially since i put you on the spot i have i have one last question if you're okay with it can you hear me yeah yeah please so if 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 you were to give any piece of advice to yourself say i don't know 10 years ago when you just 
discovered that you what the fuck andrew sorry oh god <laughs> what was that um there was like porn on the screen for two seconds um so if you if you could give <laughs> advice to yourself as a as a young professional wanting to do this for a living looking back what what would you give advice like what would be the advice to somebody i would say don't conform to what you think is traditional like, don't think that whatever you think is the traditional way of doing something is the right way for you. you I found my path in doing what I do kind of by accident. Like, it's just kind of what worked for me. And when I, when I, people ask me, like, how do I get to do what you do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you're a different person. I don't know what drives you. I don't know what inspires you. Like, it's hard for me to tell you how to get motivated when you're a different person. Like, I think we all have different things that kind of push us to do the things that we do and that's what makes us unique and that's why we all are doing even some somewhat similar things but do it differently so and um so in, in what's a, that in a, in a summary what worked for you what worked for me was kind of doing a lot of everything like doing a college you know then dropping out of college which is more or less not very traditional to do we usually go to college and graduate i didn't do that and then you know a lot of people get nine to five jobs after they go to college. I didn't do that either. I worked out of my bedroom for a period of time trying to learn how to make records. You know, after learning a little bit about audio, like I still had more to do. So I had to come up with ways to figure out the the gaps that I didn't understand yet and how to make pro sounding, you know, quality records and things. And I, I just kept looking and, and kept experimenting and trying things. I think that's kind of what's fun about music is you you have such freedom to experiment and learn and trial and error. And, you know, if if you don't, like, feel comfortable, like, asking a band to come in and to do work with you, like, try to, like, just get files from somewhere. Like, there's tons of free files on the internet of, like, songs you can mix and experiment with. Download some stuff and start twisting knobs and just learn how that EQ works. Like, oh, if I put this compressor on a bass guitar, this is what it sounds like. And things like I think there's just such freedom to kind of just really learn how you want to do things and make that your thing and and really kind of hone in on your individuality because I think that's what's kind of cool about this too as I kind of mentioned earlier we all make records mix records produce records and stuff tons of great stuff out there but we all have a different way of doing things to some extent like there's some standards for sure but no one approached it the same way and I think that's awesome. I think that's kind of what makes this exciting for me is that I can talk to another mixer who's doing great work, but I don't really agree with how they do stuff. Yep. It's okay. Yeah. I, I do things differently. No, I love it, man. I, it's something we talk about a lot around here is just not overthinking and just doing, you know, getting in there and yeah. getting your feet wet. And also, like, there's that movie on HBO called The Defiant Ones. That's documentary of Dr. Dre. I've heard of that. Yeah, I highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Well, there's a part in the movie where Jimmy Iovine is talking about his, his uh, like, plan of attack, or his approach to his career. And he, and he recommends just put, he's like, you just got to ignore what everyone's doing. Put on those horse blinders and go. Learn from it, but ignore yep. it. Learn from it, but exactly. Don't yep. be concerned what the guy next to you is doing. Because ultimately, like Neil said, learn from it. There's, yeah, you don't want to be a selfish piece of shit. I mean, there's things to be learned from history and whatever. But at the end of the day, just do it. Just give it a shot. Be you. Be honest. 
and like you said don't try to do the the thing that uh how'd you put it the 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 way that you thought the was traditional like don't follow the crowd yeah. don't don't feel like you have to do what everyone else is doing exactly that's you're not everyone else no you're, you're not totally separate from- that's right and exactly what works for the guy next door isn't going to work for you for me, for me what 100%. i've always said is if you're having fun doing it you're going to do well yep if you're if you're passionate about it if you enjoy it yeah like who gives a shit right like, exactly if you love don't it. love it i love it then find something else I think it's what's cool too is like we get to have jobs where I think generally we love what we do. Like I, I talk to so many people that I know that you know are ne- not necessarily like not happy, but don't love what they're doing. And I couldn't imagine that. I know. I really couldn't. I'd have I a hard know. time. I know. It's it's a shame. And, well, what, and what's crazy is those people don't think that what we're doing is achievable. Just like we don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's just as easy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Everyone thinks that, you know, someone else is, they they possess something that you don't. And at the end of the day, people, companies are just made up of people. Dr. Dre is just a guy. I mean, yeah, everyone, there is such a thing as talent and skill. But at the end of the day, everyone is the same. Everyone has a capacity to go out and, and do great things. So you might as well try for fuck's sake. And it takes time to it takes a lot of time. skill. I know. So. It takes a very long time. <laughs> like, how many years were you interning and working before now? Learning from other Honestly, people. Honestly, it's a lot less than some other folks. Like, I, I feel like I, I've cut some corners. Like, I was with Dustin about a year and a half. And with Ryan, I was with him not even, like, maybe six months. Like, but that, but that was I've definitely every done everything day. I can to accelerate my career. If I can, if I could accelerate things, I was going to do it. Like I, I was definitely like looking to jump yeah. many steps if I could possibly get away with it. And that's what I've kind of tried to do. Cause I, again, I have goals. I want to get to my goals as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously I'm not, you know, not capable of them. I'm just trying to find ways to get to where I want to go. Well, I think that's part of make the, I think that's records. part of the strategies is making good decisions that get, that get you further along in a quicker amount of time. Like, honestly, like, I know a lot of folks do this, and it's a great, and I think it's great knowledge and experience, but I really couldn't, personally for me, I couldn't imagine being a staff engineer at a studio for, like, three years. I I, yeah. I, I would get really bored of oh, that. Anyway, so sorry, I know we're running out of time, but... No, yeah, it's, it's all good. That's just me. Um, well, where, where can uh, folks find you, buddy? Where can they find you on the socials? That That's a great question. Well, <laughs> Instagram, so Travis Ball Mixing on Instagram. If you're a Twitter fiend, uh, Travis Ball Mix little shorter and then my facebook page is also travis Bell mixing and then my website is travisbellmixing.com hopefully you got all that because i know they're all very different and the branding is super not clear so <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll we'll put some links and stuff in the bio for the podcast and on instagram as well but yeah basically travis ball mixing we, we'll get you on instagram right that's me you got it stateside mgm come say hi yeah to, to find stateside find is at stateside mgmt the website is stateside mgmt.com you can find my personal instagram at james ian macmillan where can they find you neil uh everywhere google what's your instagram <laughs> uh neilio engel n-e-i-l-i-o-e-n-g-l-e drew what you got don't mind if i drew at instagram yeah aka sleepy fuck at instagram what up what up what up <laughs> Got a show this Friday, headlining. Oh, High you? Watermark. Shit. Vibersay. Shit, man. Come see what's up. Yeah, dog. 
Um, Neil's working on some really good stuff as of late. He's wrapped mm-hmm. some mixing jobs. Yeah, what's up with sustainer? We're in mix notes. Mix notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mix note stage. And then uh, love heavy. it. Yeah, heavy he's fuck. producing a, a thing right now with uh, Alisana. Well, that too. Yep. Yep. Well, that's what nice. Alisana. Yeah. Yep, they're going to be sending me. They're they're basically doing a B sides. Sending yeah. me this week. So that's super exciting. Really, really happy that you got that one. Yep. Um, yeah, check out the website to see what everyone else is working on. Uh, Ryan Lewis is up in San Francisco right now working on a punk rock record. Um, kind of associated Fat Mike from No Effects, but it, uh, anyway, a whole different thing. Um, Adam Pike is home for a brief moment. He's doing some mixing stuff, and then he goes back out on tour with Red Fang and Mastodon Again? in Europe. Yep. Again. Jesus Christ. That's so rad. Goes back out. So rad. Yeah, he's a road dog. Mike is currently doing a couple more songs for his band called Impulse. Um, Stay Sick Records, right? Yeah. Well, nothing's confirmed, but that's they're talking to some folks. I just fucked that up. Sorry. You motherfucker. I know. It's unreleased. Um, Gonna have to edit that out. (laughs) And Josh Bowman. Josh Bowman. Excuse me. Is our our newest guy from Toronto. He's also just killing it, doing a bunch of good uh, mixing jobs. Um, kind of similar to what you're doing, Travis. He's he does a little bit more mastering than you, but he's definitely oh, does he? Okay, cool. Focused on know. mixing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When's he going to be on? Uh, he'll be on at the end of the month, I That's believe. Right. Okay. Yeah, and we'll do a similar kind of Skype call with him. Um, and yeah, and then we all know what Travis is working on because we just talked about it for two hours. <coughs> I'm pretty sure I just swallowed another bug. <laughs> oh, Travis, one got this dump. As your last comment, what are some of the things that our viewers should check out that you've done? Oh, sure. Well, I think probably the the main thing would be the May record that I worked on. Excellent. It's the Amen. self-titled May thing. Um, I mixed 90% of that. Um, super proud of all that stuff. It's great music. Um, if you're a May fan, a lot of these songs didn't get lots of attention when they were released because they released them independently pa- uh, post-label. Um, but it's great music. It's a lot of fun, especially if you're a May fan. Um, I've got a lot of other cool stuff. Um, M A E. A song way, called Dr- What's that? M A E, not not M A Y. Oh yes, M A E. That is correct. <laughs> uh, just did an EP for a, a talented group of brothers called the George Twins. Yep. Um, that's out on Spotify. Check those songs out. Um, mixed three or four of those ones, and then uh, another just kind of random single that I did for a guy named Harrison Wheeler called Dream. Cool. Which uh, was a very fun song to mix. It literally is the definition of dream pop. I listened to that. Chip into that, actually. Fucking. Did great. you like it? Yeah, it's fucking great. Sounds fucking awesome. Rad. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on, dude. We appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Totally man. enjoyed my time, and uh, you guys are all great. Yeah, you're gonna be on a lot, whether you want to or not, which is what <laughs> I tell everyone. Cut. Um, wow. Next week, we have <laughs> okay. a very special guest, Michael Draper. He's Ooh. a dear friend of mine, dear friend of everyone here. He's Days an actor. He was the singer of a band I used to play in called The Days to Nights. He's, he's living down in Los Angeles doing, doing the acting gig. Um, he was in a movie called Green Room. He was in Portlandia. He's been killing it down there, so we can't wait to have him on That's awesome. next week. So please tune in. Uh, this episode with Travis will drop Thursday. Um, excuse me, November, November 9th, tomorrow. So available on iTunes and YouTube as well. 
and share it. Uh, subscribe, download, leave a review. It helps us, helps us out immensely. And make sure you have Travis mix your shit. Yeah, get a hold of us for uh, <laughs> Travis to mix your shit. Exactly. Good job, Neil. Love it. All right, man. We'll, uh, Thanks, we'll Neil. talk to you the next time, Travis. Thanks, man. Take care, guys. See ya. Adios. Bye. Wear a condom next time. Oh. <laughs>